Henry Miller said, uh, the, the role of the artist is to inoculate the world with, with disillusion. <laughs> he did say that, I guess, yeah. Do you, do you feel that as well? Well, not so much uh, inoculate the world. What did he say? Uh, with disillusion. Disillusionment. I must have, uh, I must have liked that line when uh, I must have, it must have uh, uh, had something to do with something I was uh, being asked at a certain time. Um, I don't know if an artist can really do that. Life experience does that. Well, uh, usually, when you when you read something of an artist or you see something or you hear something, it's just a confirmation on what you really think and believe, but can't really articulate it right. But you might see it right there you know and um, and uh, it, it'll it'll give you more belief in what might have been just a spark of an idea before or a spark of a feeling sex and drugs and violence <laughs> about lying to her he puts on his like mic hat on and all, all I want to do is like have no Leveling up, man. Bowery Boys, who? You know, Bowery we're Boys, killing yeah. it out here. Bowery Boys, better watch you out. Know, we got our first guest, episode 10. Yo. A lot of big things happening for the pod, man. How do you feel? How do I feel? How do you feel? I honestly, no, I'm indifferent. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly blunt and honest, I'm indifferent. It's something that we do. We have zero listeners so far so yeah uh, um, definitely want to apologize for last week you know some scheduling difficulties <laughs> to, to the zero listeners we want to, we want to apologize to the hundreds of millions of listeners of millions. out there correct yeah how do you feel swoop that you're going to be a part of this crazy ass um you know project that we're doing this crazy popular pod it's number one actually spotify rated it number one <laughs> Uh, of daily movers on it the is Spotify. a daily mover <laughs> it's a Spotify daily mover but uh no I mean so last week we couldn't we couldn't get a episode out but definitely no, we, okay this is what happened we could and we're gonna have that same episode out Davis Whitfield he was the guest scheduled for that it was gonna be a musical um, episode but because of how musician schedules are it got extended and uh, brings us to today yeah us here. but so. hopefully we can get that out maybe next week possibly but uh, we're going to definitely start to change the format up a, a little bit, have more guests on, um, you know, just talk to the community, talk to uh, the people on the ground level. The city's changing at such a rapid rate and there's so many different aspects that are affected. There's small businesses, which we're going to talk about today, musicians, hopefully we'll, you know, tackle that next week. There's students, you know, whatever facet of life you're in, everyone's having to kind of reinvent, you know, what their role is and, and, and figure out the landscape the best. And I think a constant theme in this podcast, because we started it during the pandemic is, okay, you know, this happened, it kind of shifted everything. Now, how do we reinvent? How do we elevate from here? And then the people who adapt are, are basically are the ones that are going to survive or perish. Exactly. And that's, Darwinian theory, it's really coming down to that, right? So Dude, it's coming, you know what it's coming down to? After all these environmental studies, I will tell you guys this. We are so fucked. We are so <laughs> yeah. fucked. You guys want to know what I learned today? Yeah. Both of you guys? Fucking A. So, by 21... Well, 
Well, you haven't even told the listeners what you're doing, right? I told, yeah, I told them episodes ago. If they don't know, then they can. Well, what have you started? You're you're enrolled in classes now. You're going to school. Yeah, I'm doing the uni classes, the uni courses. I'm in fucking what am I? Eight courses now. Overall, it's environmental sustainability, right? So ideally, I would like to get a position in um, urban planning because the way I see it, and we can talk about this later, as an artist and with the year that I've had as an activist, I almost feel it's almost strange to say, but I feel like this calling to the front lines to like the the battlefield right like and this goes into every field in terms of even just being human the the front lines of what you care about because i don't i think now that we've awoken as a society and as humanity we've awoken to these massive problems that exist and that have existed for millennia and i almost feel like it's an obligation that i have to be called to the front lines of this battlefield this war against the climate so i actively want to do something and now i'm realizing oh you know what it is just a click of a fucking button I go, I roll in some courses, then I go and I get a job. It's way more linear than, uh, for example, an artist's uh, career path. Now, what that means also as an artist, it doesn't mean that I'm stopping my artwork. That doesn't mean that I'm stopping the acting. You've been very strong on that. Dude, it goes side by side, and that's what I'm trying to, like, that's the biggest realization I've had is that, and I want to talk about this with Yusufu specifically Mm. because of how your trajectory has gone. But, like, there's this crazy-ass conception that if you are an artist and if you go to Plan B, you cannot be an artist anymore. That all of a sudden, all your art just vanishes, you know? Right. Like, and that's such a fucking bullshit Well, hypocrisy. when you tell people, I'm going to school, the for, the next question you're always going to get is, oh, so how about the acting thing? Yeah. Right? Like, and when yeah, I was, I was in music, gonna, I got that, too. I was going to ask you that, too. What's yeah. going on with the acting? But well, you, know, you know what's funny? People like to put you in a box. They like you know, to put you in a box. Perception-wise, people are like, you do one thing, yes, and that's right. what I'm going to associate exactly. with Exactly. So you were an artist before you're not doing that anymore now you're an environmentalist but you know what today especially and for for a long forever there's always been hybrid forms for you sure. know exactly and i think now uh, as we are evolving as a society as a human person i think those hybrid forms are beginning to become the new norm because what was the boxes was the colonialism that was the you know the lords and the kings and queens and the con- conquerors you know that was the mindset you have you have one specific job you're a blacksmith you are a, 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 a hunter right. you know what i mean so like I don't know. And you know what's the paradox, the irony is, is like now that I'm doing these environmental courses, I have now more validity to people like, oh, nice, you're actually doing something, you know, worthy. Like, you yeah. know, oh, you're done with that stupid, yeah, the acting thing. <laughs> that was going nowhere. Oh, you finally gave up on you that? finally uh, gave up. No, guys, I did not give up on anything. It's just, funny. it goes side by side. And I think that is what is entailed with being human. Don't you want to like yeah. take the most out of this human experience? For we sure. all are hybrid forms. Look Absolutely. at us, alive it's right now. It's unhealthy to just do one thing for the entire You both are hybrid life. forms. You're yeah. Indian American, right? right. Yeah. Swoop, you're American, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. I'm a European American. I'm already at hybrid just right. off of my geographical biochemical yeah. shit, you know? Everyone has a duality for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't want to prolong it any further. I no. want to introduce our guest. For um, sure. We have a, a special guest in the building. Our first guest, um, his name is Swoop. Uh, Swoop. That's it. That's it. Swoop. No, no. no. no Swoop. <laughs> okay. His parents decided not to go with the last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've known Swoop for a while. Um, probably uh, we got close when I first moved to New York five, six years ago. Uh, he was a roommate of a childhood friend of mine. Uh, shout out to AQ. And our Yo. boy AQ, he just got married too. Congratulations to him. Yo, congrats. Um, but I met Swoop through there and we've just kind of had this new york journey together and i've seen him i when i when i met him he was a consultant uh he can go more into that but then he kind of had a career change in the, in the last two three years and now he's uh working with a coffee company um and i always found that you know admirable that you know he he made that leap in, into something that was uncertain 
And I think today, you know, he has a chance to speak on that a little more. And then definitely what's happened, you know, with uh, with your, your business during the pandemic and and your personal life too. you know, your your ambitions as a, as a writer. Um, yeah, I want to get into this. Foss was telling yeah. me you finished your book, right? And first of all, fucking congrats. You, you graduated from Yeah, you graduated. Congrats yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round of applause. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah, So, Yo, you this know. is just like an uplifting podcast, man. I feel yeah, like this is. You know, this is how it should you know? be. We want, to, we want to have guests on. We want to celebrate them. Dude, you know, that's, celebrate that's their great, existence. Man. I love how we're like, so. we, when we have guests on, we want to celebrate yeah. them. Meanwhile, you're the first guest that we've <laughs> had. So, well, like, we want to set the trend. We're going to set the bar really high. values of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But first, I do want to ask you how you doing. Like we start every podcast, kind of like checking in on we your. We start neighbor, every you know? podcast checking in on your neighbor. So how how are you doing? Check. Like on this is this is a safe space. Yeah. No one's listening. Probably no one will ever listen. So you are able to you know use this as a therapeutic. Right. So way. how's your mental state? How what are you used as a child? Um, you know what trauma do you have? If you need a hotline, oh, we're man. here. <laughs> this got dark real quick. <laughs> He's like, this is such a <laughs> this no, is such a positive podcast. Uplifting uh, <laughs> part one is better. Uh, no. I'm I'm good, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Neighbors of New York, Noni, yo. Shout out. It's <laughs> legit. Noni. It's legit, Noni. man. Noni. Listen to the Noni. Don't get the Roni. Yeah, Noni, no need to listen to any other podcast. Noni. We got Noni. Ooh. I like that. I that like was that. a brand hey. specialist, are you? Yeah. Branding specialist, social no, media. Thank you he so was a much, consultant dude. in a past life. So. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I used to be a consultant. That's right. I mean... It was fun. Every, you know, it's funny. Like, we were just talking about, like, putting you in a box and, like, everybody always telling me, oh, you used to be a consultant. You hated it. And, you know, congrats. You found something you love. Mm-hmm. It's not really like that. You know, we kind of go through life and we we love what we're doing in the moment. Yeah, so when right. I was a consultant, I really loved doing that, you know. But let's, uh, let's, let's, let's backtrack. You have an answer to the question. There, yeah. How so are you doing? How are you doing today? Oh, today, like, I'm just doing, in general. I'm doing fine, man. I'm doing great. You yeah. know, got, got some great stuff done today. Um... You know, I, it feels more of a like a stable day for me. Got a nice run in. Okay. Um, how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Uh, personally, had a very relaxing weekend. Uh, went to the MoMA. Got to see some art. You know, taking some art, and I think that always taking like some art. You know, it does. Yeah. Taking an art really refreshes your mental. It does. It really oh, it does, does. dude. It for does. sure. It does. Especially this time around, like. I, th- I feel like I've always wanted to be an art snob, but, like, I didn't have it in me, like, to, mm-hmm. like, sit in front of a Van Gogh for, like, an hour and pick yeah. apart each, like... Yeah. Momo's now- got the Van Gogh. What? Momo's got, Momo's got a Van Gogh. Yeah, yeah. It's got, like, it's one got a bunch of Van Gogh. Yeah. Star yeah. Star there. You know what I love, by the way, I was at MoMA, too, like, about a month ago. I love MoMA during COVID time because it's the only time at the MoMA where I've ever been where there is not a crowd right. around, yeah. starry, around night. starry Night. There, yeah. Literally, last time I was there, there was yeah. no one there. I was like, wow. Yeah. Great. Now we can appreciate that it's right. not that big of a yeah. deal, and there's way better artworks that Oh, direction. bro, I was, I was standing in front of the Warhol soup cans just by myself, nice, yeah. nice. just staring at them, and I was yeah. like, I'm just staring at a Warhol. I was staring at the Dolly, the melting clocks oh, I love for like that. a while. Yeah. Dude, the moment's like, my, my favorite museum. Me and yeah, the art. You know, funny. You know, so it's like just me and Dolly. Not only are crowds like not existent, they're illegal. You have to stay six yeah. feet away from people. Yeah. Like so, yeah. I remember when I was at the MoMA looking at the Starry Night. There, people wanted to look at it, but they don't want to get too close to you either. Yeah, for so you sure. get some time, but there is a little bit of like etiquette. Like, okay, yeah, I can't yeah, be too yeah, long yeah. here. You Cough know? a little, get a little more time <laughs> in the picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cough on the picture. <laughs> Cough on. Oh, can I tell you guys? One time I was at the MoMA, and you got the Mark Rothkos there. This was before COVID. Love Rothkos. I'm not. A, we talked about. We talked about this. Yeah. I'm not a big Rothko guy. I don't. I don't really. Rothkos are very polarizing. Also, when you look into who, the, who Rothko. Rothko was, listen, this guy was not a good person. So a lot of the majority of Rothkos for the listeners are the ones where there's like 
It's just like two boxes. boxes, and then there's like a little a line, line that goes yellow. between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like a well, gradient anyways, of sorts. I was fucking there, and there was a Roth, Rothko, right? And, and uh, I'm, I'm watching the Rothko, I'm passing through, and there was this young kid who, I shit you not, he goes up to the Rothko <laughs> and smells it. Oh I was like, God. did that really just happen? He was like, as if he was like in, inhaling like part of Mark, Mark Rothko himself. I was like, this this is what's wrong with uh, amazing. contemporary art right oh, there. Man. So, so I, nice, you, you went to, you went, you, yeah. you charged with some art? That's yeah, cool. it was a relaxing weekend. Um, how, was, how was your weekend? How was your week? You know, my weekend was relaxing. Like I said, I, you know, I've been doing these studies. So what's cool is, you know, it's funny. I want to talk about this because one of our, we talked in the New Year's podcast that, oh, is Derek, is your resolution going to be like, you're going to start waking up at 9 a.m. And so I was like, ah, oh, fuck no. Like I'm still waking up at 11. Actually, I'm waking up at 9 a.m. every day. I'm going to bed at 11 hour so i celebrate well so i celebrate fridays now so like now (laughs) i'm like oh now i get why everybody celebrates friday me and monica would be hype and he'd be like why are you guys so why do you want to do something tonight (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah i just you know i had a really good time by myself on friday night and saturday night just some good realizations i was just kind of cementing uh, what I've been learning and where where I'm at in life and where the state of the world is. And when you take a step back, which is what I feel like, you know, you want to put your phone on silent? We're, we're working here. <laughs> Jesus. Damn, yo. Aggressive. Yo, it's pod etiquette. Yo, you I lost my train of thought now because it's hey, ding. It's my pod. No, but uh, pod I, I think that when we take a step back, it's important because things are happening so quickly, right? On a, Not only like on a local level with the United States, but on a global level. So it's 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 important to sit down and like reflect on it. Like you, you were talking about, like what you love in the moment is all you got. I was actually in part of this, on Clubhouse, I was in this room where this Tibetan monk was talking and he was talking about breathing. And he was like, you know, at the end of the day, breathing is all we got. Everything else outside of this one breath, outside of this room is an illusion. That text message is an illusion, right? All your worries, all that stuff. And when you take a step back and, and what, what I did this weekend, and then you realize just how much is trying to infiltrate your mind, all of these illusions. That, right, like, distractions. Distractions, not only, but just concerns, worries, anxieties. No, man, just focus on the yeah. breath. It's all you've got. That's right going now. back to the art where like, I think I, I wasn't able to complete my thought, but that's the first, one of the first times where I really felt like a therapeutic uh, effect from the art, like just staring nice. at it and able to melt away like everything else that's going on. And before I feel like I was striving for that, I would go to the Met or, or go to these museums in New York and like look at the art and try to find peace. And I, I don't think I ever really achieved it. Maybe I walked away thinking like subconsciously I did, but this was the first time, like I like stared at the Monet, the the um, the lily pads, the lily and I was just too. like sunk into it, basically, wow, and cool. forgot about everything else. Wow, you know, beautiful, so beautiful. It's dope that I've achieved, I guess, that level of of peace, and maybe woke, it just comes with maturity. Woke. I'm super Hashtag woke. Twenty twenty one vision. But uh, let's let's get into soup, man. Yeah. Uh, we brought you in here. Um, I definitely want to hear, you know, when you say you're a consultant, we always used to joke about this, like, what the fuck does that mean? Because, <laughs> like, there was a point in New York where, like, everyone was a consultant. Yeah. Or maybe it was just, like, my friend circle, but did it did it seem yeah. like that at one point, like, 2016, 17, where, like, yeah. there was just an influx of people coming into the city, like, I'm a consultant now. Yeah, when a lot of, when uh, all these companies had a lot more disposable uh, income. Is that what they were doing? They were just, like, throwing it at young well, kids I mean, out of... School, well, what like... is consultancy for someone that doesn't know? Right. So well, there are different types of consulting con- consultants. Um, I was a business advisory um, consultant with a marketing specialty. Okay. So, um, you know, anytime someone says they're a consultant, 
Um, there's no such thing as like a generalist consultant. You usually right. have some sort of thing that you're good at that a company is basically hiring you, paying you an hourly to come in and, and fix some sort of problem in their organization. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if mine was business advisory and, and with a marketing specialty, um, my clients had like, you know, something broken in their marketing process or something like that okay. in, in a specific department or division. And you were tasked with coming in, hiring a team, um, and, you know, just fixing whatever that problem was. Uh, sometimes yeah. it's like, sometimes you're an extension of the team that's there and they just need extra set of hands and it could, that could just be your, your role. Mm-hmm. So you're really just like really adaptable and fluid to what the client wants. Um, but was that like a cost saving mechanism on corporate America's part? Like, let's pull in all these people, like a not really guy. give them Eventually. health benefits, not like, cause you're essentially a third party contractor, right? Oh, well I was a, I was a full-time employee. Okay. Um, so you can be a consultant like within an organization as a full-time employee. And then you just get kind of, uh, contracted out to clients. Right. Um, so you you might have like a, a project or a client that you're working with for like anywhere from three months to a year to two years. It could be a Mm long-term client. And then you just move on to the next one. Right. Um, But the client themselves, like they really have no commitment to you. Like, no, you have to prove your value while you're there. And then hopefully like usually a contract is signed for like a three months worth of work or six months worth of work. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that six months, if they see that you got all your deliverables in, these are all like consulting terms. Right. If you got all your deliverables in. The listeners are falling asleep now. Yeah, exactly. This is why no one talks about it. That's why we service well i was gonna ask so how long ago was this that you were a consultant uh i was a consultant uh let's see two and a half years ago or so okay so okay two and a half years it's a long ass time so my question to you were just i don't know when's the last time you explained consultancy or something what you were doing how do you feel now that you've just explained basically a past uh experience like you that was your living that was what you were doing so how do you feel now that you've gone on to better and greener pastures perhaps how do you feel transcribing that yeah, to be honest, I haven't talked about it in so long that like right. just like rejogged all my like I was about to like charge you charge you a fee for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I hourly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, how do I feel about it? I mean, I'm glad that it's in the past, you know, and um, it feels good to be able to say that you had some sort of skill set yeah. that people like wanted and, and paid yeah. good money for. But um, you know, you have to weigh like, what are you getting out of that experience? And I think we're all just trying to do different, like we're trying to just use things as a stepping stone to get to the next thing. Exactly. Right. And that could be across industries that could be across a lot of different interests. And we're complicated people. We have, we're complex people. We have different likes and passions and interests and different moments in life are for different things. So I think I, I spent two and a half years there. I enjoyed it immensely. I learned a lot and then it was time to you know, move on to to the next chapter. Yeah. I remember like knowing you at that time period and I was like 16, 17 and it, it was a blast, man. Like we would just go to brunch every weekend. Oh, like, it was a blast. He, yeah, he was, was having a good time, man. He was, he was like, time. I got that platinum card. And, I'm um, ching, ching. and how, do, how, how do consultants get paid, right? You explained it to me at one point, but it's not like a, sa- a weekly salary, correct? It's like a stipend type thing. Is that how you explained it to me one time? I, I, I don't recall, but I remember um, it being different than the traditional like pay structure. Like no, you just so, pay out, right? no, no, no. So I got paid as a full-time employee, um, but you get uh, what's called a per diem. So you, you can expense things if you're on a client. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the client pays for it. Sometimes your organization pays for it or they split it in half. But like basically meals while you're on the client site, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was traveling Sunday to Thursday, so I would right. spend New York was my hub, oh, and then wow. I would fly out Sunday evening. From where? Where would you go? I, I spent time in San Francisco. I spent time in uh, Austin, Texas, in Philadelphia. Basically, everywhere there's startups and tech. Yeah, a lot of tech clients. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then some other clients were in New York, so then I was local. But basically, you get you know you have a credit a company credit card, and you can expense uh-huh. things to the client, and obviously you have to be responsible, but like. You know, there's also a toxic culture of like, how much can I put on this card, you know, yeah, and, and how much yeah. can I get away with? And that yeah. is a thing for sure. That and, is, I, I've heard of a fishbowl, right? Yeah. Like they talk about that a lot, like yeah. putting this, so, you know, caviar I spent on like, I spent card, like, like three, four thousand dollars on, on a, on a dinner and drinks for <laughs> really? a team yeah, one dude, time. But so, of, but I, I worked with somebody wow. else who was like, yeah, well, I, I spent $10,000 like last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. How much really? You That's on all your, it is. Yeah. So it's kind of ridiculous. So kind of a split question is two questions questions in one at what point now you know you're looking at this back in hindsight you're kind of looking at it in judgment so at what time did these thoughts start coming into your mind while you were doing it or if they came into your mind and at what point and what start made you realize like you know what i don't this is this is going to close this chapter and write a new one yeah what uh, triggered that well to be honest you know it's usually the simplest things right for me in that moment it was Hey, I'm not getting put on client work that makes me happy day to day. Like I'm going to the client and I'm not looking, I'm not waking up in the morning and looking forward to like the work that I have to do. It's like a chore almost. Yeah. yeah. It felt like a work started to feel like a chore. Um, the benefits of having this blanket and security of the compensation you're getting were quickly wearing off mm-hmm. uh, and sort of eroding and, and not being as, I wasn't valuing them as much. And it was nice to be able to do that. But at some point, you know, it's that pivotal moment where you look in the mirror and be like, what am I, like, what value am I creating here? You know, right. I'm not enjoying the work. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think it just came down to that. Money to, you were making enough money so you could easily keep doing that and be set, right? Or Yeah, well, but I guess the question is like, what are you trying to do with your career, right? Like exactly. I was trying to like really figure out like ways to make value for either people for other people basically right and when i start oh, so at the core of what you were doing with the consultancy that's how you looked at it you were trying to make value for other people I, right or yeah i was trying to I, as long as i felt like i was helping someone mm-hmm. um i felt okay with my purpose oh, at the cool. company yeah but but you were helping a giant company. but i was helping an organization <laughs> yeah, basically were, just make more, either make more money or yeah. save money right, or yeah. and and actually something actually take money from the people who probably <laughs> right. need yeah, it yeah. so <laughs> once i realized that i was kind of like, like i wanted to work for the people but i was like working but for i want to work for the Trump. people yeah. not for the robots <laughs> got you yeah, yeah and i love and i loved my organization and and they're great people and who work there obviously and my managers were amazing but it was just like a personal decision i was just yeah. kind of like hey i also wanted to write my novel uh and i had been writing on and off for like the last like decade before that since oh, undergraduate shit. um and uh i thought it was time because i was just like yo it's it's 20 I, I turned 26 or 27 and i was just like i got a few more years till i'm 30 like i i said i would have written a novel by now and i, I haven't wow. really made a dent in it so i think it's time to really focus on that and, well spoiler alert did you write it did you finish it uh so yeah you mentioned that earlier i didn't finish the novel yet I, I took a little bit of a break but i'm and you, are you past 30 uh, <laughs> i'm 30 years old now Shit, but i'm time's ticking but i'm gonna wrap up that last chapter yeah, yeah. <laughs> i only got a few chapters left i'm 100 acknowledgements done <laughs> i'm 170 pages in um wow. i got I get to That's 240 impressive. and I'll be That's done. Hard. And this is the same so. novel that you were thinking of when you were consulting? Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. But what, uh, like, what level of completion was it? It was just like a thought. No, no, process? it was just like yeah. it was like an idea. Drifting, okay. yeah. drifting ideas got it you. Was an idea. Got you. Um, so I, I did want to say, me and Swoop went to the same college, actually, University of Florida. Shout out, yeah. Gators. Uh, we went to the same undergrad. Gators. But um, what was your what was your major in undergrad? I, f- I forget. I hopped around a lot, but eventually I settled on um, English. Okay, and, so you, um, you did have, like, you were writing in college. So yeah. you went to college with the intention that my life is going to be a writer. Uh, oh, you yeah. want to be an actor, right? Was no, that really? No, was that so no. I, did, I did take acting. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah I did dude. take acting a lot. Nice. Uh, yeah, you want to be Shark Khan. Listen, what I, I, uh, this is kind of off topic, but uh, you can speak on this because you, you took acting, right? What acting, when I was in acting school, I saw a lot of people went into acting, they never acted before, and what they ended up discovering was themselves. And they discovered, oh shit, I love this, that, and the other thing. So I feel like everybody should take some, acting has way more benefits than the red carpet and the Oscars and what people like to see. So mm-hmm. hell yeah. Anyways, continue. But um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that the turning point from you, you was like, you had a choice where you wouldn't be working in New York anymore, right? You had to like move to San Fran or something like that at one point. Yeah. And that's when you were kind of like, okay, fuck it. I kind of want to stay in New York. So this yeah, is a good so, opportunity so, for me to... So, yeah, my, let me tell you, my college experience was all about discovery. I came in as an astronomy major and I what? changed my major five times after that. Astronomy. Yeah, yeah. What I thought it would give me some sort of edge in, in edge. getting Yo, in. I'm an astronomist. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I took an astronomy class and quickly learned it's not about looking at the stars in the sky. And yeah. there's a lot of physics involved <laughs> yeah. and it's very it's tough. Fucking complicated. Math heavy yeah. stuff. Yeah. And uh, then I wanted to be a doctor and I did pre-med for a while. Then I did finance major and then I moved over to sociology, anthropology, English. And then I, I even dabbled in some acting like you guys mentioned. Yeah. But... I think the idea was like, hey, I want to um, be an entrepreneur of some sort. I don't really need to be a finance major to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'll get out and work in marketing, um, which is something that's needed in entrepreneurship. And I'll try to like create something on the side and um, I'll write at the same time. You know, that was that was what I had decided when I got got out of college. Um, Why writing? Uh. I realized that, so, like, I used to be the kid in high school that, like, wrote stuff, like, the night before it was due, and I would still, like, ace it, and that was, like, the only subject I could do that in, but I never really knew that that was a skill set. I was just kind of like, whatever, you know, and then when I got to college and I switched majors around, I took a English, I took a creative writing class, and I just fell in love with, like, just literature and and doing the creative writing exercises and writing short stories and stuff, and I thought, hey, I can't make too much money doing this but at least this can be yeah. the thing that keeps my mind interested exactly you know? and, and and dude that's exactly kind of the tr- track that i'm on you know you have no you, let's say you, you know you could make a lot of money you know you look at stephen king you could make a lot of money as a writer right but you have no control over if someone gives you all of that money what you have control over is your passion for it and your desire to do it so when you take that element and you find some sort of stability like you're just, you can do both at the same time and it actually enhances the writing because it's no longer now you're put pressure on when you're writing like oh i gotta sell this book and make a lot of money with it i i want to just write this because i want to so i think it's a liberating factor when you take apart the elements of what it is the first thing they tell you is if you if you're trying to make money don't be a writer yeah the same thing with acting if you want to try to make money if you want to try to succeed as a star you're not going to do it because you want it too much there there are a lot of there are a lot of easier ways to make money if that's your goal but uh, in writing and in, I suspect the same thing in acting, kind of sister creative arts, um, you got to enjoy the process. Yes. And so if you enjoy the process and you get 
pure joy and pleasure out of that, I think you, you're already winning, right? You don't, yeah. the money will hopefully come or it doesn't come. It's okay. At least you were, were exactly. entertained for your life, exactly. you know? Yeah. It's an extension of yourself, you know? And, and that's what art is in, in reality. Like we put, we put so much pressure, I think in the artist field, in every field, but this is also in, yeah, you could even say in every field that this is what it has to, it has to be fully this, you know, but no, like what if all of these things, like we talk about the hybrid species, what if all these are just extensions of yourself and you're just truly just trying to live life as fully as you can, you know, by any means necessary. I, I think there are certain artists who do think about the financial gain that they're going to get from their art and it is calculated and a lot, a lot of times they succeed. There's For sure. formulaic, you know, the Stephen King novel, the, yeah. you know, the legal writers, well, the, that, the that romantic could, novelists, yeah. like... Where it's like, okay, I do love writing, maybe. Who knows if they even love it? They're just churning out a product. Exactly. And that's it's a good point. Well, money, and that's, you know, and that's like, the paradox, and that's, then it gets into a tricky subject, is right. now when, at what point does art become a, a product? Like, you, you, talk, you right. talk about the MoMA, right? You look at contemporary art, and you look at what sells, and then you look at what art could be, right? So, like, for example, these paintings. I know that this could not sell on the contemporary market. This has no value whatsoever to any collector. But I feel like this, is, to me, is more of an expressive art form than some fucking lines. Which, you know, the person, the artist that's making those lines, you know, they may, be, they may dr fucking draw, like, a Leonardo da Vinci or some right. shit. But they know that what sells for millions of dollars are, right now, today, two lines. One blue and <laughs> one red. <laughs> and on, on a white canvas. Right. One blue line and one red line. Yeah. That's so, a good name for the paintings. Some fucking lines. <laughs> Some fucking lines. <laughs> I like that. Some fucking lines. Yeah, oh, that's great. But uh, yeah, hell yeah. So let's talk about the book. Should we talk about the book? Um, uh, we. I think we get the book last. Yeah, let's. Yeah, let's... When, when it comes to writing for you, I, I'd want to ask: Was there a book or an author that like did it for you, where you like really fell in love with the art form? Like, uh... oh man, so many. That's yeah. that's a tough one. That's like uh, me asking your favorite song or artist, you know. But you could ask me like, when what was the moment? Yeah, what was your what was your moment? My moment, like for <laughs> for hip hop, yeah. would be like the Eminem show, and uh, that was yeah. like the first CD I had, and then I listened to. It, I was like, oh my god, like someone's rhyming this way. Like I couldn't believe what I was even like hearing, mm. and so that was like my first thing. And then like listen to Fifty Cent, like Lincoln Park, and like that's oh, yeah. kind of what like that mo that time period. That's that was the music that was out. For sure. But it's like when you got that CD. Like, music isn't like that anymore, right? Like, everything's streaming. So it's like, when you got that CD, it was just one tangible body of art, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, you're stuck with that, <laughs> like, front to back. Like, that was your music. Yeah, selection. you just keep playing it over at and the over. Time. Dude, so I like, loved it. I had CDs, too. I, right. Yeah. So at that time, like, that's what made me fall in love with music. But I guess for you, like, was there a book that really stood out that was like, I want to write this way? Like, because I dabbled in writing, too. And for me, it was like Hemingway. I was like... I want to you write like Hemingway. I, I love. You're a minority. Yeah, I love. Sure. I love the short sentence writing, because I was like, he's getting so much across with like seven word sentences. The old man in the sea. Yeah, and it's like so basic, like the language when you really break down Hemingway, but it complex at the same time. I love that. Like I thought it was like a code, you know, like that he was yeah. writing. Mm -hmm. So that for me, that was like what really drew me into literature, I guess. Um, and then the lit teacher I had at the time was obsessed with Hemingway too. So that probably played a part in it. But. You know, Hemingway is one of those things that you get introduced to in high school right. pretty early on. And, and so a lot of people, um, gravitate towards Hemingway because also like you mentioned the short writing style. So it, it makes you believe that it's, uh, he makes it look easy, I guess. Right. And makes you he believe you could those. do it too. Right. He is um, so I did have that similar, a similar yeah. experience with Hemingway, um, 
I think for me, like my favorite writer to this day, well, one of my favorite writers to this day still is Haruki Murakami, which is yes. a Japanese novelist. Dude. Um, and Dude. we read uh, uh, um, Norwegian Wood in high school. Oh, I haven't read Norwegian Wood yet, but and I've read three of, four of his books. Nice. Yeah, I, I love Murakami. I love the kind of goofy characters Dude, he has. Murakami's The genius. magical realism and, genius. you know, the Shintoism influence and which all book, that. Which book uh, so. is the thick one? Not IQ84, but... Uh, it's Kafka on the Shore. No, not Kafka on the Shore. It's about art. It's about a painter. Have you read this one? Uh, it's my favorite, dude. Okay, first of all, my one of my killing favorite... Com- commendatory? Is that... Killing Commendatory? Killing yeah. Commendatory. I haven't read that one, but... Whoa. Yeah. Epic. Epic. Another okay. one, uh, Seeking uh, uh, Hardboiled Wonderland. That's the one the I, I really love. That uh, one most recently, Hardboiled Wonderland and the End of the mind. World. Um, really Epic. amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not familiar. What's his like writing style like or... Like, okay, uh, do you have you ever watched? It, you know what his writing style? I would compare it to Zen, very mm. much Zen. You can very much when you read it, you can feel you can feel the Japanese uh, influence. Which you know he's a uh, Japanese writer, and so it really beautifully carries you. And he loves to blend philosophy with art, with with uh, magical realism, like you were saying. He, he does the meandering sort of plot line really well. Yeah, like there's a lot of like little asides and. Um, but they all add up to something cumulatively, which I really yeah. love. And um, his protagonists, like I said, are usually pretty goofy guys, and, yeah. and that I that you can relate to, yeah. like everyday men. And um, you know, he's got his problem. You know, he's got his criticisms and problems. But um, putting art into the world is tough, and you're yeah. always going to have critics. You know, so he's got um, a. He's, I would say he's got kind of like a Dostoevsky vibe, Dostoevsky feel. Yeah, maybe him. Not, not so not so dark. It's more of a lighthearted, like I said, like a Japanese anime vibe, mm-hmm. you know. And there's always some sort of um, inflection of magic, uh, okay. some sort of magic or something yeah. that's like cracked in the world that he's in, the, mm-hmm. the, the characters are in. So it makes it fun to read. Um, one it's of the a- things that people like to talk about with Murakami is that it's most of it is trans translated and transliterated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's so writing in Japanese. He's, he writes in Japanese. I think there are certain certain books that he wrote in English, but mostly mm-hmm. he writes in Japanese and has three different translators. And he pitches the wor- he picks the translator based on the work because he knows the translator so well. Oh, wow. Like, oh, this person's going to be good to translate right. this oh, piece of really work. Cool. That's an art form in of itself. Like, you're For translating sure. another language to For still sure. have it read beautifully. Especially like, something like crazy. Japanese where one character is a sentence, you know? Yeah. you got to be good at transliteration. Yeah. What's that's the actual nuts. meaning behind these yes. metaphors or whatever, yeah, you know? That's got to be so complicated. Although, I will give Murakami shit for his book, uh, Night Moves. Have you read that? I didn't read that, no. Don't read it. I mean, you you know, you expect Murakami, like, I, this was right after Hardboard Wonderland and the End of the World. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm going to get another Murakami book. Oh, this one, Night Moves, all about this girl who's like in high school and she's like a writer and she hangs out at this cafe late at night in the app. It's called After Hours, sorry. After okay. Hours. And uh, she gets into like this underworld, like crime shit, but it's really boring actually. And it's uh, it's pretty depressing. Her sister is in like a, she got like this illness where she can't, she has to sleep for like a long time, like gotcha. months on end. Anyways, that's, I don't really like that book. Con- right. like, continuing. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> repivot back into I guess uh, Swoop's story. We went on a little tangent, which we're gonna do. Where did we leave throughout. off on Swoop's timeline? Let's um, go, let, we were I didn't realize we're doing this whole timeline. We're doing man. the timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. And then the switch. I don't it's, a, it's, a, it's a new thing we're testing out. Guests. I love it. <laughs> Guests. Dude, I don't even have to pay for my weekly therapy session. <laughs> no, that's that's the point. Nice. <laughs> we I, talked about this when we had our own pod, which we'll get to. Is like podcasting is cathartic. You're basically is, just yeah. putting your ideas out there into the world. When he first did it, he's like. 
he hit me up. He's like, bro, I can't believe like I said all this shit and now it's out there for people to like, consume. Yeah, it like, blew my mind. That's a weird concept. Well, the way I was talking, I was telling this to Davis right when I was texting him. I was like, imagine this like a time capsule where you know in the future. Uh, it's it's in the internet, right? Uh, it's, yeah. The algorithm is there, so Gotta be it careful exists. what I say. Well, no, 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 you can, yeah, you can be careful what you say, but also imagine it kind of like the future when they do hack into the internet, or aliens when they you know plug in their little USB stick to our you know dusty little USB drive that right. humans yeah. have left the Earth, and they're like, "What well, used to live here? Oh, they had technology, nice." Oh, Noni. And then what is this? <laughs> Neighbors of New York. We gotta show up for the aliens. Yeah, show we gotta up for give the aliens. aliens the truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they deserve to know the truth of how oh, you know. Fucked up, we all are. So yeah, I guess just to get us back on track, where we left off was talking about your experience in consulting, um, which I'm sure a lot of no, new... we were already bridging off. Of yeah, it. yeah, I think enough, enough consulting. No, no yeah, so, like no, so we were at the tail end of that of where you were switching from consulting yes. to yes. Uh, pursuing writing. So I guess you were about to move to San Francisco. That's where we talking. Is that what I think that was what I said? Uh, you confirm or deny? Uh, you mean after college or after no, consulting? After, this after was consulting. in New York. I remember you were like, oh, you know, I may have to move or yeah. something. Yeah. That was so like 2017, maybe. I got offered a gig uh, in San Francisco with one of my clients gotcha. um, through through the consulting company. Uh, and I, um, you know, I can't, it's confidential. I'm not really allowed to say who, who it was, but it, it, let's suffice to say it was a large tech company in, in the San Francisco Bay area. It was one of those. Google. One of those. Blink. And, and so... Blink uh, twice if you agree. Blink I, twice? Continue. I'm not blinking. Um, yeah, and I had a decision to make, and I just thought that, um, you know, I had worked in San Francisco for three to six months, and I just didn't think... I thought San Francisco was, sorry, but a second-rate New York. Nice. Okay, and, that's, I'm so happy you said this, because I was literally... It's so crazy, actually, you said this, because literally the other night, I was Googling... Uh, moving from San, from New York to San Francisco, like comparing it, I was thinking like, what is San Francisco like? Because I'm I'm on I can already feel myself. I'm maybe probably not. I want to have a base here, but I'm already kind of thinking like I kind of switch it up. I want nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But San Francisco, what I've read, I was like it was kind of lame city, and so then just confirmed. I mean, it, they're so. two different cities, but at, at that point, like you know, at that age, I was kind of like, eh, I kind of want to be in New York and and enjoy New York more. Now, uh, San Francisco has a great outdoor scene, which I probably would value more like now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think I decided just to stay in New York, and um, but your I, options were if you stay in New York, you wouldn't be employed with the company anymore. No, I wouldn't right? be employed. Yeah, I had already left the company, uh, and this was kind of like an extension. Like, hey, um, you can leave, but here's an opportunity that we think would be good for you. Right. And but you can't stay here. But you can't. Well, you could stay. No, I I could have stayed in New York and oh, just got could. another client. But they were basically it was like holding a gun to my head. They were like, hey. We want you to move to San Francisco to take this role, and um, or there's a door. and if you Back your shit. yeah, and if you if you want to yeah. stay here, that's fine. But you're crazy. I, I don't really think like yeah, we're gonna find some work you. for you. you yeah, door, and I didn't really want to like continue to work here anyway. I either wanted to change the scenery or wanted to change the scenery in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I just decided that it was time to write write the novel, and yeah. I was like, I want to take this seriously. How Fuck can I yeah. how can I do that? And I, um, but like thing you... he does, he goes to school, right? <laughs> no, yeah. he bought a mic and we started our own podcast first. That, that's the first and thing. And look where that got you. You still have a podcast, just, you know, you a white a... person owns it. Now. Yeah, it had to be a failed podcaster first, then school, you know, gotcha. he just had to 
test the waters. I wanted to do but, all these like random crazy things. Like I remember, yeah. we, I remember I we really wanted to go viral that year. We're yeah. like, we have to go viral we before we're thirty. Viral. Interesting. So now you're talking about the. So now you're in the transition phase, and that's so that's the phase where you get all of these crazy ideas, and you're like, yeah. okay, yeah. like and, and we wanted to rap. Well, this, we, wanted we wanted to rap. rap. I was rapping and really? yeah. I was making a mixtape. Hell yeah, Bro, we were doing, uh, dude. We were I was just in a creative zone. T-shirt company. I got my bartending certification. So you were back in college. You were like astronomer. <laughs> yeah, he's um, right back in college. He's just right back doing all of these. <laughs> this things. is like the New York version of college. Like you become a bartender, a barista. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you work at a bookstore. Honestly, like, but honestly. you know you have those like every few years you have these inflection points. Like hey, I could do anything right now. Yeah, like, I have the flexibility yeah, yeah, to like yeah. change it up right now, and I'm right. gonna see where, where this goes. Yeah, right? but because you, you had a unique experience where you had an out. Like yeah. your job, you had a point where you're like, oh, fuck, like I, you know, work ends here. There's a bookend to my professional life. And now I can do what I have the flexibility to do whatever. Yeah. I want. But you also didn't know, like now in hindsight, yes, but you didn't know it in the moment. What specifically, how, like you knew, okay, I'm no, going to in discovery book. mode. Yeah. You were in discovery yeah. mode. And I wanted to talk about this because that's kind of where I was a few months ago, right? We, you, we were talking about this yeah. where I was like, all of a sudden I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna go full on in this environmentalism. Right. Like, what the fuck am I doing sitting on my ass like how I was before the coronavirus? And coronavirus, we can talk about 2020 when we get to the timeline, really changed the game, right? Yeah, this 20, is all pre COVID. So, yeah, 2020 <laughs> changes the game, right? right? In terms of what's meaningful, what's yeah. important, and the drive. For sure. So, but what I experienced within myself, and now that I'm, you know, finally grounded within these courses and stuff, I was going through that discovery mode where it was like, I have this giant concept that I want to be a part of. And then I felt it literally slowly, day by day, narrowing down. You know, when you check off all the things that you're like, okay, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to start a t-shirt company, maybe I'll, maybe I'll rap, maybe I'll start a podcast, maybe I'll <laughs> right. go viral. Right. But then slowly by doing all of those things, which, you know, my point is don't be afraid to be in the discovery mode. Discovery yeah. mode is beautiful because it's it allows... process of elimination. Yeah. We did, we did all yeah. those things except uh, go viral. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. still waiting We started for everything, but nothing That's went viral. We're still trying yeah. to do that right now. <laughs> still right now we're trying to do that. So uh, me and Swoop at that time, 2018, we, me and him started a podcast called Scheme Team Podcast with our buddy Niall, wow. who is, is in still out residency. There? Can still hear it? You can still go. It's still on Apple Podcasts, I believe. Yeah. But this was kind of on the cusp of like podcasting having its like renaissance. It was like before Spotify was really investing in podcasts and before these huge networks came about, like Barstool and all these things. So it was an exciting time. Like every, I feel like everyone was like jumping on it the wave at that point, you know. And now yeah. it's like now is like the level of saturation. But gotcha. um, yeah, he he bought a bunch of mic equipment. And he had a nice little studio in yeah. uh, Stye Town. He's like, how do I take all this consulting? Dope vibes. And yeah. go viral. <laughs> all I want to do, I'm gonna go viral, and then I will write my book. But you know, I, I can explain uh, the the discovery mode. So I think one thing that I you we sometimes forget for me uh, is that. Um, Everything I do has to do with writing. So I, I keep an open mind because as a writer, I want to have varied experiences so right. I can write better. Mm. So like starting like a t-shirt company, being a rapper, yeah. whatever it is, like I'm just trying to understand those things better so that yeah. I can have my characters be those professions and, mm. and really write truthfully. Damn, bro, you're just using me so you could like develop <laughs> your novel better? He's using us right now. He's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What is it like to be, I know what it's like to be a host on a podcast. What's it like to be a guest on a podcast? <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. 
right. But, uh, it's not that exacting, but you know what I no, mean. No, I know right? exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you Everything's up, fodder. Well, you brought up a funny uh, memory of mine. With acting, it's the same thing, and there's this conception that, like, you know, like, oh, you got to be a struggling artist to really know what right. it's like. Yeah, the role, that's and romanticized. Then you so, so there was this cat, I kid, kid you not, in school, this guy who... I guess he had a couple screw looses. Or like acting, acting school? Acting school, yeah. I don't know him personally. I knew his acting. His acting wasn't that good. But he willingly volunteered himself to live outside of his car, to live in his car, because he felt that if he lived in his car, that's how he would become an ultimate mm. actor. Method acting. <laughs> but he had per- perfect means to live Sounds in like a house. Sounds like he was just broke. No, yeah. no, he was not broke. <laughs> he could live in an apartment. He could have his own apartment, but oh, okay. he chose to live in his car because he wanted to Damn. know the struggle. Know what yeah. it was like. So my point is with that is like sometimes that can be a tricky road if yes. you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, like definitely. Is, yeah, continue. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Nothing beats just sitting down and actually writing. Yeah, all of it is just a giant <laughs> yeah. distraction. Everything else is Everything's really like, how do I distract talk? myself yeah. totally? Yeah, yeah. No, but there's something to be said. Like, if you jump into writing of zero life experiences, you're probably going to come out For with sure. a boring-ass product, For right? Sure. I mean... Yeah. The life happens to you regardless. Regardless. Yeah. You don't that's have to true. go out active. Like, if, for example, as an actor, if I'm playing a murderer... I don't have to go out and murder somebody yeah. to know what it's like to be a You have a great imagination as well. Yeah, imagination. That, a lot you have to, to be said But you have to kind of hone it in yeah. on yourself, kind of. You know, like, you know, I don't know what it's like to starve in Ethiopia. But I do know what it's like to be very hungry and starve, starve, mm. period, with for something. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, I know what those guys are going through in Ethiopia. But you know what I'm saying? Like, right. what is most personal is most universal. So yeah. everyone's life is different. And there, our experiences yeah. are different, but they're the same. There's a great, uh, yeah, and to that point, there's a great writer, uh, Flannery O'Connor, short story writer, oh, nice. that said, I think it was her, who said, um, if you um, live to the age of, like, 12 or something... 13 you have enough experiences in your life to like write for the rest of your life oh wow so wow. that's the whole point like you know mm-hmm. you you can really dig deep into what you've already done and yeah. like you said life is going to happen to you regardless and it repeats itself right? it repeats yeah. it. now that we're older i don't know about you guys but i look back at my life and it re- repeats itself sure. there are cycles that happen absolutely sure. yeah so you're you're in discovery mode right yeah um how long does that last when when does the gas kind of or and, and what was the school uh situation at that time had you already enrolled in i think i was applying to schools i was get, doing all this discovery stuff you uh, went on like a camp a writing camp or something like that right or... uh yeah so actually what happened was so i was applying to schools and i said okay my funds are gonna run out so it's really a money thing i, I kind of mm-hmm. ran out of funds to um keep me going and pay rent so the the little Bitcoin that I did have, I had to liquidate. Oh, oh, I yeah. wish I kept this it. This is an early Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Early Bitcoin yeah. buyer. Yeah. I wish yeah. I had held on to that. How much were you in? Like, when I, had you like, in? I had like, I had 0.9 Bitcoin, like one, almost one Bitcoin. Oh, sick. And I bought it for like five or six K or something. So Damn, you would have had a little under 30. 30. Yeah. yeah. Like 30. Yeah. yeah. But you know. Whatever. It is what it is. What it could have, should have. Yeah, yeah. Your novel, it's easy to say. Like, <laughs> your novel's going to sell later. for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, But but yeah, it was it was all based on just being able to pay rent in New York City. And uh, I was like, you know what? I need to... I got into school and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to take out a loan to go to school. I got some scholarships, which is nice, but I still had to take out a loan. And I was like, I should supplement that with working in, you know, working somewhere where I can mm-hmm. make at least ends meet and pay rent. Um, and so I got my bartending certification during that time and I was like trying to be a bartender. Wait, you got a bartending certification? Yeah, yeah. New York bartender school. I was a bartender. I 
have not had a bartending certification. Yeah, you don't really need to get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, but but so I thought it would be helpful. You're like, I thought one day, a, it framed? I, one day a character of mine's going to have a bartending certification, and <laughs> at least I know what it, what it takes to get one. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I quickly realized that it's bars want bars in New York want you to be a bar back first usually yeah. and so I didn't want this to be like a huge profession of mine I just kind of wanted to be in and out so I didn't want to take too much time like trying to be in the service industry in bars but I really love coffee and I was like you know what like I'll try to be a barista and I just got my service industry like resume ready and started handing it out places and I went to my local coffee shop which was saltwater coffee and um, I dropped off my resume there and I knew the barista because that was my that was my cafe. That was like where I got my cappuccinos, the flat yeah. whites. And uh, I met the, I interviewed with the owner at that time and um, we really hit it off and uh, I became a barista and worked there, trained oh. as a barista there for six months behind the espresso bar, barista pulling by shots. Day, yeah. Lighter by night. And this was in the East Village. Yeah, right? really romantic time. Like if you think about it, like, you know, barista, exactly, barista by day, rider by I night. I got some Dostoevsky, Albert Camus. Oh, it was great, man. Just smoking cigarettes. Playing jazz in the shop and nice. reading and, you know, yeah, some drinking coffee. Renaissance type, type <laughs> shit, for real. But yeah, so where's, where was the coffee shop that you were working at? Uh, so, saltwater. Saltwater coffee. Which, which location? It was, uh, so we only had, there was only one uh, location. It was one location coffee shop. It was the East Village, 12th Street and 1st Avenue. Sick. Um, and yeah, I, I worked like 40 hours a week in the coffee shop and got really close to coffee. Um, did you like it? How did you like that? I loved it. I absolutely loved really? it. Really? Yeah. I had no other... Because people have this conception that being a barista might suck. You know, I mean, if you love coffee and you're always around it, I'd imagine it's somewhat rewarding. I mean, there's right? some customers. There's still a service industry. Yeah, there's some customer experiences that could I could definitely see um, people not liking as a barista. But uh, at that point, our customer base was just East Village crowd, and I really nice. kind of vibed with them, and yeah. I enjoyed our customers a lot. And you know, we'd always always have yeah. a lot of regulars come in. Must be a great in. way to meet new people yeah i get to know the neighborhood really i kind of took it as a a thing like hey like um this is a great way to like uh work on dialogue yeah (laughs) it's a great way to like like just converse with people that was me when i was a was when i was a bartender i was like this is like when i was in a bar i was like whoa all the people that i'm gonna be people watching talking to like people watching dialogue's the hardest too to write with dialogue yeah yeah to to Mm -hmm. me like writing any sort of dialogue is is crazy like if you were just to record the conversations you had a sweet like that's probably yeah, you know, accurate depiction of, of like dialogue and, and short stories that you'd be writing and stuff like that. But yeah, there's a famous quote by a really famous writer, George Saunders, who says, um, "Dialogue, uh, accurate dialogue, is like uh, when two people are talking, is like two cannons firing past each other. Mm. No one's really listening to yeah, the other yeah. person, yeah. right? Yes. Like you're just kind of talking to yourself, really. Well, yeah, dude, that's what that's <laughs> that is what it is. That's what we learn in acting. The first yeah. thing we learn is to listen, right? And then you realize by learning to listen, you realize just how many people don't listen, like yeah. literally. And then you hear it all the time: people not li- like you even ask him. He said saltwater coffee. You're like, so what was that coffee place you worked <laughs> no, at? No, no, I wanted He's, to. I, I know, I know, but you know what? I know. No, it's a terrible example. Take that back. I'm gonna erase this right now. Something I did want to talk about with with I have a question about the barista to life you know when i go to a good coffee shop i'm talking a good one where they're actual like you know they know what their shit and it becomes almost like second nature it's almost like the zen like there's almost like this mm. 
habit, like this crazy instinct, and you're doing it on autopilot. Yeah, it's I, muscle I memory. Know, what it does to your brain, like how? Because also with bartending, right at a certain point, you're doing all the drinks, mm. and at a certain point, you get into this vibe, this zone. Mm. Same comparable to when you paint, when you write, when you play music. So I want to talk about that zone, what it's like as a barista. You know, some something that you wouldn't think the zone can be in, but it mm -hmm. can be. So uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah, no, that's that's hundred percent true. I think there's a lot of like it's comparable to being bartender. Yeah. So you know what it feels like. Um, I think after a certain time, uh, like you you serve a hundred people, and you're pulling like a hundred shots over and over again. You're yeah. gonna get muscle memory in in what you're doing, and so um, you know the act of what you're doing kind of takes a back seat. Yeah. And you're you are, you do feel a little Zen, right? You yeah. hit flow is I think the term is, you yeah, hit, the, yes, yes. you hit flow and, and it, it is very comparable to like creative writing or creative or arts, meditation. you know, and meditation as well. Yeah. Um, and that's really when you feel like really great and bliss at the coffee shop is yeah. when like everything's running perfectly, like a well-oiled machine, yeah. the shots are pulling, you know, the, the drinks are coming out, um, and you got a, a, a real flow going. Yeah. Um, do you think, I was just thinking some metaphysical thing. Do you think if, all professions, I'm sure there is the flow there, but if all of them kind of worked in that sense, would you be a happier society? Like if if there was like a damn well, deep cuts. That's a, that's some deep. That's all some deep professions thing. were like if all that. professions were like at a certain point while you're doing it, you get into the zone. It's almost like you blend meditation and your career path. Do you think that we would be more efficient as a society? But who's to say that? Uh, you know, everyone doesn't feel that way about the profession. Like you're right. If you can hit flow, right you can hit flow in anything. Really. Well, you that's can right. hit, Yeah, you can. Yeah, sure. like, yeah. I think they say like if you're, you're garbage doing, man, you're hitting flow. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> halfway through your route, you're like, Fuck, yeah, it like, takes like 10, 15 oh, minutes. Right, but yeah. like, if you keep doing the same thing over and whatever profession you're right. in, you're going to like well, get some pleasure out of right. the process of what you're doing. Yeah, well, well sure. and that's where it goes into you know selecting what you're really passionate about because you could also get into like Charlie Chaplin in modern times. He's just you know. Uh, doing the the wrench and the thing, and after a certain point, when you're wrenching a machine, oiling a machine, you get into become the machine, right? But that's how mm -hmm. the system wants the little you're machine to work. You're a cog yeah. in the wheel, right? right? So that's why these cogs, if we take that flow and we put into something productive and like something human, almost. Oh, mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. Th like mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. Like instead of you making coffee, which right. yes, we do need coffee, but. And this kind of goes into the importance, I guess, you could say of robotics, right? Like in the future, do you think maybe even you as a barista that you were, do you think uh, society would benefit more if a robot would be making coffee and that human that would oh, be a barista man. could then go and do something else? I mean, the robots robot already make coffee, Nescafe, right? I mean, <laughs> the robot barista. Yeah, like, no, but the robot that's actually like, bing, 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 oh, yeah. like, the, doing the like a Jetson thing. robot. The like, Jetson, yeah. <laughs> baristas often joke about robots taking over their jobs. Oh, like, really? It's like, oh my God, it's, we're just counting down I the mean, days. I mean, the COVID era, too, but is there like something within coffee that a robot can't create can't recreate um love <laughs> you know i would say that customers really love coming into the coffee shop and having Personal a human presence there yeah. and they, yeah. they like the little instead of a vending chit chat and the right. talk and and there there is a real interaction there five, that happens five dollars for a coffee oh dude especially during the pandemic like you had all these people who were working at home they're not going to restaurants uh they're getting cabin fever and during their work day, while they're working remotely, the best thing they can do is yeah. step step outside, go to the yeah. coffee shop, wow. have a little two minute conversation, yeah. and be on the so way. So you were open for COVID, huh? You guys are open for COVID. We were we were open so for COVID. Yeah. You want to talk about that? That what was that like? Well, okay. Um, let's, I think we're skipping a lot of. We're steps, skipping so many. But steps. um, I did want to say like when I go and get coffee, like for me, it's like it's like you guys said, like the person, it was like an art to it, the way he made it and the latte art and everything. And I feel like I'm getting like a complete product yeah. that a human made. And if it was like 
a robot doing it that I w- it would lose its authenticity. There is love. Like, there is love being. It, is, it does become just a vending machine at yeah. that point. So it's like I guess it is cliche, but it is the love that is put into it. But for yeah. me, it's like I'm paying the five dollars to get like a finished product that yeah. like like a carpenter if you were to build. You yeah, know, like the artisanry, right? Yeah, you're, you're paying for the artisanry of the yeah. Like latte art is something that I'm sure a robot could probably create one day. They ca- can't right now, I don't think. But yeah. probably super um, precise, actually. Probably <laughs> better. Yeah. Probably better than a human. But you're, yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna lose that human touch, right? And I the think, little the little mistake on the leaf, the little yeah. <laughs> that a robot's just gonna yeah. do a perfect leaf. What yeah. about that little wobbly leaf? And the one that's like in nature. And you know, we we do have automatic presets on the espresso machine, so that is sort of like a robot robotic thing where it's just pulling the shot based on this the specifications that we've programmed uh-huh. in but here's the problem with that like the temperature the humidity the climate outside uh, how the machine is acting that particular day and moment does affect the espresso the quality of the espresso shot so if you're pre-programming yeah, an amount of uh, seconds and the robot's just going based on that if they're not taking into account all of these other little factors right. you don't have that human eye on it you're not going to get the same quality shot every time so mm. it may right? not be a, a we're not there yet yeah it I may think. not be something robots can come in and replace right away all right let's get back on the timeline so you are a barista now and you're enrolled in school and you're a barista by day writer by night are you writing the novel or are you just committed to kind of studying are you learning new things in the new school like do you, do you like your experience there? Yeah, yeah. So I was doing an MFA in creative writing. So I was literally just like, you know, I was just a sponge. I was absorbing it nice. from all these amazing professors. We talked about, you know, one yeah, of the people Peggy. that... No, uh, no it wasn't it? Uh, is it Sheila Hetty or... No. Hetty, Hetty Jones. Hetty Jones. Yeah, sorry. Hetty, Hetty Jones. Jones. I, um, do you yeah, know she's a she's, professor at, at the new school. How's she doing? Have you seen her? Uh, I never took a class with her, but like she was like, okay. that's a hard hitter. Well, like, she lives right here in the Standardies Village. She lives right... There part of the Standard civil is. rights movement. She was, dude, Archie yeah. Shep used to live in her building. She was, she used to go see Thelonious Monk play. Like That's she amazing. was part of the black civil rights uh, art renaissance that happened. And her husband, uh, her ex-husband was like this very revolutionary writer or whatever. And she's a writer. So she teaches actually, um, uh, what is it? Activism, writing activism or something. Anyway, she's the nicest. Old, she's like, fucking, what is she? Like four, four, four foot tall. Like. Not four foot tall. Yeah, four foot tall. Wow. She's short as fuck. Anyways, I was worried about her because I was haven't seen her in a while and because of COVID. And, uh, you know, I hope she's okay. I haven't seen her in the village, so. Well, so. But we had, like, world-class professors there. You know, like, I always joke, like, in acting, um, the best actors go and act in movies in Hollywood. Or not the best, or they are on Broadway. Um, but, like, the best writers go and teach an mfa creative writing programs yeah. right so like we have like yeah. national book foundation award winners like wow. um sigrid nunez who wrote the friend that won the best book for uh, the national book uh, foundation last year uh, or two years ago um she was a she's a professor at the new school you wow. know and mira jacob who has an amazing book out um good talk graphic novel um and her book before that was an oprah's book club um, she was my professor, you know, she wow. taught me about graphic narrative and I, wow. I actually, for the first time ever, um, wrote a comic, comic strip. I never wow. wrote a comic strip in, in my life before. Awesome. I'm not a drawer. Mm-hmm. I can't draw. Um, but I don't draw. So I, you know, I, but I wanted to, I wanted to open myself up, uh, mm-hmm. to new experiences. And that was a, a, a really great writer friend that I, w- I went to Breadloaf. um, in Vermont and that was a you know it's a writing community a writing uh, residence or workshop over the summer and I got to take a workshop with a really great writer Jamel Brinkley um, who you know uh, did amazingly like last few years 
Um, and he, his writing advice for the MFA program was to take risks and do stuff that you normally wouldn't do. So if you're like, mm. if you don't write fantasy, write fantasy, you know, mm. if you don't draw comics, like draw a comic and you'll surprise yourself. And I, and I eventually did surprise myself and I wrote a comic called wow. consultant X about a, <laughs> no yeah, about a superhero. That's a cons- an ex consultant no and he goes like around all, the city he and, all lingo in there. Yeah, and he's yeah. a barista by a comedy, day, yeah. a writer by night. <laughs> Got you. Wow. Well, ha- what did you learn by doing these things that, like, what did you learn by doing, so you said you surprise yourself, what, is that a way that you can kind of quantify that, or? Uh, just getting into genres that I didn't think I would ever touch, right, like, I never thought I would ever draw, I never thought I would, um, you know, I never thought I would write a collection of short stories, I always wanted to write, like, a book, like, a novel, wow. I didn't think that was an option, you know, like, uh, that was another thing writing poetry, like, you just, you take all sorts of classes, and you open yourself up to so many different pathways, right? I think, I think it's something, like, for the listeners, anyone listening, it's like, when you jump into, like, something that's your passion, like, whether it be, you know, acting, or writing, or even, like, law. Law. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's the law segment. Even, like, (laughs) law. Yeah, like, law. (laughs) But, like, you always jump into it with a preconceived notion that this is going to be one thing and I'm going to learn this one thing. Yeah. And you always get opened up to like 60 different <laughs> things, well, infinite yeah. possibilities. More, and more, you're experiencing that with your environmental dude, thing, right? The like, more you, you learn... want to be an environmentalist, but now you're learning exactly. about real property and all these like different so things. So many, like, so many things. That's but, always, that's an every well, what, thing Like they do, say, the really. more that you learn, and I, I can totally testify to this, the more that you learn, the more you realize you don't know anything. Right. <laughs> right. And what's, I, what's been happening to me and I, I think everyone that's kind of gone to school can have this, even just having new experiences in general. Like if Foss now had this beautiful cathartic moment at the MoMA and decided to paint, he would have this experience where you can literally feel it. And I would have to talk to a scientist if this is even real, but you can feel your brain cells, the neurons going to new pathways, right? Mm. So they're digging new trenches in your gray matter, in your brain. Like I can literally feel different parts of my brain illuminated that normally would never have gotten there because you know when you get into a rhythm a habit then the neurons are passing through the same routes and as every time they pass they dig a little deeper they dig a little deeper and so then the other areas are no longer not touched but when you get to new parts of your brain that were not accessed it's brand new it's like discovering a new planet for sure in your brain so on a chemical level too your body's like like euphoric like you're like whoa and then then you get that's where you get so in my opinion maybe so overwhelmed with all the information you're getting on because it's so brand new that's you're like oh i don't know anything and as time sets in as those neurons keep going through those same paths that's when you know you can start your career you're no longer the student you're the career well i think people always feel that when they're they enter a state of learning after not having been in that state for a long time because that really is a state of mind when you're in uni you're you know you're in some sort of class then you're really in one state of mind. And then when you exit that for a long period of time, you kind of lose what we were just talking about, the flow and everything yeah. like that. So I'm sure you and Swoop both returning to school after years of not being a student. Yeah. Now your brain is like, oh, fuck, I'm you know now using these parts of my brain where Interesting. I have to yeah. intake new knowledge and learn it. Whereas when you're not doing that, you're just making money. Exactly. You know, like, well, you're just so, using your brain to make money. I can actually ask like... Swoop, which is what I've discovered. Like, I was just little, talking to my little brother. He's 15 years old, right? Literally right before you guys got here. And I was just catching up. I was like, hey, how are you doing? And he's like, good, whatever. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I told him I'm back in school and stuff. He's like, what? Why are you in school? And then I was asking him, like, you know, what are your plans? Are you planning on going to university? He's like, yeah, like, I actually, I, I'm very excited for you. And I heard it's super fun. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, 
Yeah, it, 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 I'm sure it is. It really is. Like you learn a lot of things. Like no, no, no. Like I heard the parties are sick. <laughs> you know. Of yeah. So, yeah. so my question and what I'm realizing now is like, you know, I know who I was when I came out of high school. And when I came out of high school, first of all, I didn't think I was gonna make it out of high school. You know, and I made it, and I was like, hell yeah, this is the. Gr-. I saw my, you know, certificate. I'm like, this is. I will cherish this forever because I never thought I'd make it this far. Never thought I would go to uni. I knew the teacher I wanted to study with. For acting, it's different, right? If you go to uni for acting, you could just wipe your ass with that certificate. And what you actually learn more habits, but bad habits by going to study acting in uni. So I knew I wanted to study with. Never went to university, and now I'm like, well, I want to go back to university. But because of the that gap in between uh, high school and not studying university, now I'm taking the courses and taking uni for what it really yeah. is. You for. appreciate a lot more. Yeah. So maybe like you know and, and at least maybe this was the older generation where they're like no you can't have a gap year you can't have mm-hmm. you know some discovery moments you have to go straight into school you have to still be part of the machine because it's so fresh i think that's actually a danger to people you know because you can then end up miss like completely missing everything and maybe developing a drug addiction or whatever alcoholism who knows so i wanted to ask you swoop you know was there a time when you were in school where you were like fuck i wish i went to school before consulting like you know for this if i would have gone then then i would where i would be right now would be a whole other place yeah did you regret getting into it later later on uh no because uh they they do often say with the mfa is uh you should kind of get some life experiences before you get into it um with that being said people people go right after undergrad and they they're fine too i think everybody has their own path right for me like yeah i kind of I had to go through all those things to realize like, exactly. yeah. hey, I I think I'm done with this part of my life. I got some great skill sets. Like consulting, like you really, really exercise your creative, uh, your critical thinking skills, right? You're like, you gotta be on your feet and come up with solutions for clients. And that's a skill set that I'll use in other parts of my life, sure. you know, for the rest yeah. of my life. So it's, it's not like it was a waste or anything. Like I really enjoyed that time that I was there, but I just was ready for a change, you know? And yeah. I had to go through that to get ready for that change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah. I would have, I could have gone right after college, but I didn't have that mindset yeah. when I in college. Exactly. After undergrad, I came to New York, and I just wanted to. I wanted to get started and get experience in in the work industry. You know, yeah. like I wanted yeah. to climb the like ladder. Yeah, you know, you're in the yeah. rat race. Yeah, you gotta win. I was excited for that. I was like, hey, I want to get promotions. Like, yeah. I, I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that. Like, I just wanted to do well. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, after I got a few promotions and stuff, I was just kind of like. What, is this just like what this life is made of? Yeah, like just yeah, yeah, yeah. to the next promotion? Like yeah. you're just like no, that's not what life's about, you right? Just get promoted your whole career. You're like you're promoted. You're like six. You're like what? I've been promoted seven <laughs> times now. But no, this I think this is a great segue because you just mentioned you know you're never gonna lose those critical thinking skills and mm-hmm. even like the finance the finance skills that you picked up during that time, right? And then all of a sudden you're a student and you're a barista to supplement and to get some money, you know, to, to put some food on the table. But the owner of your coffee shop recognizes that you still have these skills right, right. retained from, yeah. from your time being a financial wait, consultant. Wait, wait, don't root, right? don't root it. Let's... No, no, that's right. Yeah, I don't want to walk him through it. Shout out, shout out, uh, Sid, his own life. <laughs> uh, my partner and, and friend now uh, and, and pretty much like a brother to me um yeah he you know he saw that you know when he hired me he was like 
you're an ex-consultant, like, you know, I can't pay you consulting fees, right? I was just like, yeah, yeah, like... He's like, consulting our barista operation. He's confused, like, why is an ex-consultant coming to work as a barista making minimum wage? Wow. Yeah, and I was just like, look, I'm just trying to get some new experiences in life, and I'm I'm going to school, I'm just trying to make a little bit of extra money to supplement paying rent. That's that's basically what I told him. I had no, um, I had no, like idea of what where this would lead me i just kind of wanted to be in and out clock in and out and write i wanted to really just focus on that and he saw that you know i had some expertise in marketing and and operations and stuff like that so he's like why don't you take on some more marketing projects and work more at the company level we're trying to expand and and stuff like that so and what was your initial response to that i thought about it i was kind of like you know um, too much time away from the from the writing i I was i was doing this to focus on the writing but at the same time, I was like, hey, if I can, um, you know, not spend too much time, but I can like, you know, um, sort of grow this company on my own terms and have a little bit more flexibility, that's uh, not the worst thing. I was always kind of interested in entrepreneurship at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, so because well, you were working with st- startups this whole time. Yeah. And now you're like, yeah. what about if I were to? It was always start? in the back of my I'm head. Like, what if a character in one of my future books <laughs> were to start a startup? Yeah. How would he go about or she yeah. go about doing that? Yeah, I was always kind of looking for the right opportunity, and this felt like it was just made for my my life, right? Like yeah. I had such flexibility, and um, you know, that that happens when you work with a great team and with the right partners. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I got involved on the business side. I uh, we wanted to open up a second location, and there was an opportunity to invest. And while I didn't have disposable income, I was able to fundraise it for myself and and put that forward. So I took out wow, a personal cool. loan. And um, I put that money forward. That capital investment went towards opening our second location, and I became a partner. Uh, Damn, just like that, just like that. Right Crazy, place, yeah. right time, right, right place, right time, man. Swoop is a living wow. fucking testament of right place, right time for sure. Wow. But unplanned too. It's it's a lesson that you know some of your greatest achievements or directions in life may be unplanned, and you got to be ready for that and not freak out. Yeah, you got to be happens, like water, you know? like Bruce Lee yeah, says. You got to exactly. be like water. Yeah, like but at water. the same time, you're in school and you're you're writing your book, right? Or, you got to be like water, or you got to be like salt water. Like, <laughs> hey, hey, that's to be on it. That should be your new T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee <laughs> drinking. Bruce Bruce Lee drinking a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta, yeah, I'm happen. third newly minted thirty year old. I gotta get my dad jokes. In. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay, let's go back to the. I want to go back into the book stuff. So you're back in new school. You just became a partner. Has that transformed your perception of the writing now? Is like, are you are you just that's still that's just completely on different levels. Uh, no, I, I kept the writing going the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was, uh, so your thesis is your book in, in, as a master's student. Oh, so wow. you're working towards a project, your culmination of a project okay. over two years. So my, my project was my novel. Oh, and wow. that's when I really was, was able to formulate what this novel is about. So my novel, it's called, the working title is Electric Earth. Electric Earth. Electric Earth, mm. yeah. Book cover. Yeah, Ooh. there you go. Dude. <laughs> Boom. Hey, $500,000. He said one. That's where we start the negotiation. I will take one. I will take one. Painting for 500K. Just a little and copy I, I told of my him picture. You could probably sell it for at least a G. <laughs> Each. Each. Nah, if it's not $500,000. <laughs> they are beautiful paintings. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get back to the, let's Your get book. Back to the Electric book. Electric Earth. Earth. Yeah, like it's it's about a third culture kid named uh, Kayal Khan and a Muslim Ooh, a son of Khan. Indian immigrants. Uh, and like the alliteration. 
Yeah, and it's about just authenticity and Americanness. It takes place from uh, the year 2000 to 2100. So oh, it's sick. speculative, near future sci fi. Dude, okay, we got to talk outside of this podcast because I'm writing a TV show three season that takes place in a future that is no longer. Oh, wow. some futurists Amazing. in the yeah, building. It's also yeah, speculative yeah. fiction of like. What if we still... Anyways, we'll talk about it later. Well, you know, like, the fun part about writing this book is... And yeah, let's definitely talk later uh, offline. But the fun part of writing this book is half of it is in the present, right? It's 2000, you know, 1990s, 2000s, like 2010s. Um, And then the other half takes place in the near future. So a lot of this stuff is sort of like you're prophesizing what's going to happen in like the next 30, 40, 50 years. Mm. So it's fun, right? Yeah. Um, But we're seeing a lot of that stuff happen, like drone technology. I talk about micro drones and things like that. Um, So this this family, (coughs) excuse me, this family... um, has he got coronavirus? Did he get tested before he got here? <coughs> yeah, no, no, test all our guests before they Yo, arrive. we've been going yeah. for like an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew tests them. Andrew, Andrew tests swabs them. them. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, continue. So this family gets separated, and um, it's really about how climate change brings together the family again. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much the, the books of this. Right climate change, wow. speculative we fiction. We definitely need to talk, yeah. dude. Definitely. Anyways. Yeah, there's, oh, there's also they. Fi- the main character finds out she's. Uh, I don't want. It's spoiler alert, but she's half Jin. So there's also like Jins, and then oh, there's like a climate. And there's a climate world war that gets fought between humans and Jins. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, there's talking animals. There's all sorts of crazy Dude, stuff going on. I want to get a copy of this book. <laughs> this book sounds awesome, man. He hasn't finished it. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you done. do, it's it's only 170 pages. How how long are you trying to make it? Two forty. Two forty. Nice. Oh, good. Yeah. I was gonna say something like that. Like 170 is almost kind of selling it short. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We get two forty. Take your time with it. We'll get you to be a, a beta reader. So you can read Absolutely. it before and Absolutely. take I read, your feedback. Dude, I'm, re- I'm read five books at a time. I just finished Ishmael. Oh, nice! Yeah, Ishmael's great. Ishmael, Whoa. the talking gorilla, right? Whoa, talking gorilla! Yeah, yeah I well, love that one. Well, really philosophical. Mind, well, what blew my mind? Speaking of philosophy, right? And like this can kind of get into your book too. But at the end, spoiler alert, it's not really a spoiler alert, but he makes this huge point where, like, are human beings the first conscious organism? That they're, like, when I read that, where he's like, are, are human beings supposed to be the first conscious organism to then step aside and let all the other organisms be conscious as well? I was like, that's very possible. You mm-hmm. know, that, anyways, but, uh, shared some Ishmael secrets. Deep, 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 no, but let's get into Electric deep, Earth deep. because this sounds fucking so crazy, dude. What like you were you were? Well, like, well, I don't want you to give the whole manuscript. They they, away, they gotta but... buy the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I hate when I hate when authors say that. <laughs> I'll tell you everything. The plot. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm gonna put on line. Give us an audio book right now. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. How about this question? How has the idea evolved? Because it's a very complex idea. Your speculative fiction, right? How has it evolved since its first conception? Where before before consultancy, right? Mm-hmm. How you said it started. That's a good. question. What was the seed? Yeah. And. Mm-hmm. What is the what is rainforest now? that yeah. it is now, and what wow. was, and how do you you reflect upon that? Yeah, leave it up to an environmentalist to draw a metaphor to a rainforest. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a rainforest. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so it started as a uh, a short story. The first chapter started a short story. I had no clue I was writing a novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote uh, the short story and before it, your consultancy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well, like while I was, a, I think it was while I was a consultant. But just for fun, you were like, I just want to write this. Yeah, I was just writing. I was always writing something, you know, like just to, just the process, like liking the process, learning what type of writer I am. 
And I wrote this short story. I, I, I molded it into a short story. It wasn't a very good one to begin with. Mm-hmm. But then I molded it revision after revision. You know, like 90% of writing is revision. So revision after revision, I workshopped the story in different groups. I got feedback. I cut out stuff. Eventually, I applied to the master's program with the short story. Wow. And that's what got me into and it. And that's what also got you a scholarship. And that's what got me a scholarship Holy as well. Cow. And then that's where it all started. Then I wrote the second chapter. Then I wrote a second short story. Well, I wrote a third have the short whole story. Idea figured out like you already knew. So that- I was just writing short stories. I was learning one okay. building block at a time. How do I write a short story? I wrote two or three, and I realized that each char- the character, the protagonist in each of the short stories was really the same guy. Mm. And I said, "Oh, this is these are linked." So then it became a linked short story collection. Wow. Then um, I decided that because there were some futuristic elements, I was like, this takes place in the year 2000. This next one takes place in 2010. This next one takes place in 2020. So I was like, oh, I can just write a link short story collection mm-hmm. that takes one Every each decade, each chapter yeah. takes place in a different decade. Wow. And that's how the c- concept of the book came about. And then I started to understand who these characters were, and I realized I don't want a this this male protagonist should have a kid and the kid is going to be a female protagonist. So the second half of the book is from the aspect of a female protagonist. The first half is from the father. Wow. Yeah. We wow. may talk to you in two months and the entire thing will, will, will have changed. Well, <laughs> no, but... now at this point, the outline but of the book is done. But did you know you wanted to that... talk about climate change and have it connect the family since the beginning? Like, was climate change an element in... Climate change reared its head uh, at 50 pages in. Mm-hmm. I was writing and I was on the third or fourth short uh, chapter and I was like, this is really about, and I was hearing all the stuff that's going on in, in, in our world today, the problems that yeah. humanity has to deal with and reckon with. And I thought, this is the string throughout the whole, yes. in the arc of the novel Beautiful. that's going to unite this family, is how, do, how does climate change bring them all together? And what issues can I you know, bring to light in yeah. the book? Right? That's cool, man. And then he was like, you know what, now that I'm on the climate change thing... Magic. <laughs> gins! Dragons! <laughs> when did the gins get in there? Um, so, uh, halfway through the novel, I was kind of like, you know, I want Something's my culture. Yeah, I want my culture to, nice. to really be in this. I don't want to write another white savior type um, yeah. novel. And we have enough of those. And, and I thought, um, I was like... Everything you do is really uh, about things that you're interested in, right? And I was always interested about these like myths that our uh, grandparents would tell us about jinns. You know, yeah. being in a, being Indian, um, there's always some f- folk mythology. Jinn is like a yeah, brown I was ghost. Just say, yeah, it's well, not gin, white; it's brown. It's gin. a brown ghost. That's <laughs> you know, it. So you need to know, brown ghost. The, the romanized jinn is genie. So when yeah, you think yeah. about genie in Aladdin, you know that that is the the bastardized version of what jinns mm-hmm. are. So what is um, an actual jinn? Well, a jinn is, you know, it's it's a it's a flame spirit that sort mm-hmm. of lives in this like world between heaven and heaven okay. and earth and yeah. hell. Um, there were there were apparently angels that were like cast out at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's like the opposite of an angel, essentially. But they're not demons either. They're in the middle. Okay. They're, so they're right. they're usually uh, told to be mischievous. Mm-hmm. They kind of like hang around, fuck around with humans and stuff like that on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so like something falls in the house, we're like, oh, there's a jinn. You know, like that's, you know, it's big, in, big in our culture. It's big and in so Indian you, culture. This is after you wrote the climate thing and you were like, you wanted to include a part of your culture and then obviously you look at the climate thing. Right. And then you're like, oh, and then you, the gin, I assume the gin is related to the climate. Yeah. The at earth. some point they come together yeah. um, that, you know, the gins are, have been this species that have been around actually. And they've been, 
people have been misinformed about who they are and mm. they're actually just another species like humans wow. and they also love the earth and that's their home and so they realize that humans have been treating it poorly and so they sense. they fight against the humans but what i'm trying to really wow. figure out is i don't want to create a binary story where there's good versus evil mm-hmm. things are generally murky and take place yeah. in a gray zone so i think you can't just have the jinns win and <laughs> And, you know, humans are bad. That's not yeah. the lesson of the book. The book, I think I'm still trying to get to what the moral or the lesson of the book yeah. is. Yeah. So that's your you struggle. Know? That's what you're saying. That's, that's where I'm kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And there's also like an intel, there's an artificial intelligence that, that Hell yeah. comes about. Naturally. And, yeah. In the future. Yeah. yeah. And sick, it, it goes into, when you said 2100 or? It goes to 2100, yeah. Dude, okay. So speak, I, I was talking about this in the beginning, but I never said it. But something I learned today, which is going to blow your guys' mind. By 2100, okay, by 2100, worst case scenario, meaning we can carry on business as usual with our emissions. Well, the earth will have heated up from four to six degrees Celsius, okay, four to six degrees Celsius by 2100. Now, best case scenario, if we were to stop CO2 emissions today, it's a a 0.5 to two degrees Celsius. Now, to put that into comparison, the ice age that happened 200,000 years ago was four to six degrees colder than today. So that, so four to six degrees created an ice age. Like a whole extreme. A whole ice yeah. age was four to six degrees. What is four to six degrees hot going to be like? If hell on earth. Hell on <laughs> earth. That's by 2100. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So I was realizing that and I was like, wait a second, you know, and obviously solutions to climate change. It, it's a very, like, I, I would be so curious to read your book in like 40 years from now. You know, because right now we're at the cusp of something. I'm sure your research has pointed you to this. And it's like, we really don't know what's going to happen. There are so many complex variables that are involved with solutions and finding uh, new things, how to cure it, how to fix this, right? And it's kind of like, at the end of the day, it all points to too many people being on the planet and that there's whole issues with population. So I don't know, that just kind of blew my brain today where, you know, we have a serious issue and we will experience this in our lifetimes. We will experience the, the beginnings, I should say, of a, a heat age, you know, the, a fire age. It's crazy. Crazy. We're going to see some fucked up shit in our lifetime now. Super fucked up shit. We it's going to be have. climate refugees. It's another thing yeah. that I yeah. bring well, up. That's, what, that's the, the thing book. is like all these yeah. people, right? And that's, that's the thing too is like, you know, in order to help this, you need policy changes, right? And the problem now with policy changes, like zero emissions by 2050, that's a big fucking joke because zero emissions by 2050, what? That, that doesn't do anything because we're already set for the wrong course. So they're trying to, policymakers are trying to please all parties, right? In America specifically, you have 79 million fucking people that voted for he who shall not be named. In our podcast, we do not call him by his name, by the way. He's he who shall not be named. So you think of that, right? And you think of all of those Voldemort? people. Those, yeah, yes. <laughs> Voldemort. Shh, what the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, but anyways, they voted for him, right? So it's kind of like, I doubt those people care about the climate. Uh, maybe some of them do, whatever. But you know, policymakers are trying to please both parties. And if you really want to hone in on the on the climate change thing, you kind of got to lay the law down and be like, listen, mm-hmm. guys, we don't have a fucking choice. If you're going to bitch about it, you can bitch about it. But then because there's 7 billion people on this planet, if you make strict policies, then you have a whole, like, you know, maybe not 7 billion, but maybe 4 billion people that are going to be revolting. And they're going to be like, what the hell? I can do whatever the hell I want. You know, so it's going to, it's it's a crazy the anti-masters. Anti-masters. It's yeah. a crazy ass, like... When you really look in it, on paper, it seems super simple, the solutions. But when you get into it, because of how complex our societies are, 
It's crazy. Well, it's just hard to get anyone to do anything voluntarily. It's just extremely hard. It's, it's hard nuts. to get people to put a mask on. Yeah. And so that's like the basis of where you're starting any ask of human society. And does your novel take place in America or? Yep, it takes place in America. Only in America. Does it go to India at all? Uh, it doesn't go to India, but there so you're are. So focusing on America's climate. There problem. are st- there's it's summarized a great American time. novel. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be in a fridge. <laughs> Isn't that what the joke is? Great American novels in a fridge. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. There's summarized time uh, in other places, but it's generally in in New York um, and um, wow, Mid Pines, California is is another town wow. that it's in by the Yosemite Valley. And okay. then there's a mythic island that uh, a okay. lot of chapters take place Damn, on. So you got a lost island. You got New York City, which yeah. you know is scheduled to be underwater by 2100. Then you got Yosemite. Which you know is gonna is a volcano. Who knows? On a gonna fault happen. line, right? On yeah. a fault line. So what with your research? What, what I mean, you said it was fun, but uh, were you trying to kind of like? Do you do you do a lot of research on pl- possible? Yeah, you did, huh? Uh, so I went on a hike. I don't do too. Uh, I'm not doing too much research. Because okay, so um, you wanted. That's my point. You wanted it kind of to still be the imaginative. Yeah. Speculative. But I, I also want to make sure that it's, it's realistic and yeah. it's rooted Accurate, in truth. Yeah. And so I'm not spending too much time on hard data or research, but. Um, where it comes up, like, for example, like knowing that New York is going to be underwater in a certain era or time period, mm-hmm. like that needs to make its way into the book. By if the characters are yeah. in New York, yeah. right? Like yeah. that needs to be in there. So it's stuff like that. I am, um, taking into account. Um, there's also like this idea of, um, isoprene that I talk about that, mm. um, I went hiking in the Blue Ridge mountains and it's beautiful there, but there's a, there's a blue mist that happens in the mountains. And, wow. um, we went hiking with a biologist and she was telling us like what leaves to eat we could eat off it was amazing wow. and she told us about the blue mist and um it's because it, it's a way for the trees and the plant and the uh, flora in that area to fight overheating the wow. I, they they emit the trees emit isoprene so that a lot of the heat gets stuck with the isoprene and doesn't come to the trees and hurt wow. and harm the trees. Cool. I love that idea. Yeah. And I got the the um the, the biologist uh, number as well. Oh, and sick. now I'm asking and I asked her to help me be a consultant for the novel and I would give her credit in it. Oh, and so I'm yeah. asking I'm I'm getting some research Fuck, done through yeah, her cool. so that Dude. it's it's in line with popular That's, scientific yeah, thought for sure, for and what's sure. going on. so yeah but also like you said it enhances your imagination like you would be surprised at what the facts can facts can do yeah you know because like there's so much that we can imagine but when you the imagination is rooted in yep. fact yeah. and i'm linking the i and and that is part of the the plot line is i'm linking the isoprene the, with the, the gins nice. um so nice. yeah. you're hiring the consultants now <laughs> nice yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you're the client <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah, dude, um, that's very exciting, man. I'm very, very, dude. I'm proud of you. That's yeah, fucking that's a awesome. sick idea. That's uh, awesome. I hope none of our listeners steal it. Uh, yeah, it's but, a little, there's uh, no way they can steal it. Look how long. If you're a listener, you're 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 signing an NDA. <laughs> yeah, you're signing. We got that's a not how here. NDAs work. Yeah, yeah it's, that's how it works. You've been in NDA. The consultant. You've been NDA. Um, but I guess let's get get back to the timeline. Um, get back to the timeline. Where do where do we, we got leave into off? some crazy awesome time? We got into some crazy. We're in twenty one hundred. Oh, we're 2100 on the timeline. We're already in 2100. That's where we jumped. We're, we're in the we satellite floating. Sweetwater's <laughs> business development. <laughs> You're trying to do a flashback. <laughs> Should we talk about COVID? I definitely want to get to that. So um, what did you do during lockdown? What was your kind of... Uh, 
like life situation when, yeah. when all of it went down. Yeah. So we, um, a lot of baristas graduated on... prior to that or wait, wait, time out before you answer that also to enhance that question, how did you view the pandemic w- since you've been working on this book, which is taking right. an apocalyptic scenario yeah, yeah. and then an apocalypse happens, which the pandemic is a result of climate change. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, now yeah, you a lot, answer. a lot. Yeah. Loaded. Um, so I graduated uh, this past or 2020 May. Uh, so yeah, like I've walked virtually, right? Because pandemic kind of started around March here in New York. Um, so that was that was interesting. It didn't really affect my my school stuff too much, but in terms of the shops, um, you know, a lot of baristas went on unemployment, and they were kind of scared mm-hmm. to work as well. Yeah, we did have a few baristas, which uh, our amazing team, like that's crazy that they. Uh, and that's amazing that they wanted to work and um, supported Saltwater through COVID time. Which through was, the whole lockdown, like uh, we had lockdown? we had one or two baristas like Jameson. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Jameson, like he worked shout like well through uh, the the pandemic and was actually it's one for a time the only person opening and closing for wow. like a the month or two. Day? Yeah, all day, wow, and we had limited crazy. hours, but he still did it every day and. Eventually, when I came back, because I, I was out of, I, I left like to Orlando, right? So I was in Florida for a good month and a half. But when mm-hmm. I came back, I also worked and switched off with him. So I wor- I went back and put on my barista hat and worked every other day, um, all day. Wow. And me and JMO just did the shifts like that. And do you guys have a steady flow of customers at all? Or were, was it pretty empty? Yeah, we actually did. Like, like our volume was high because, like I said, people wanted to take breaks and have their coffee. Right. And we, yeah. we put a lot of protocols in place. Like, obviously, we couldn't have more than three people in the shop at a time. Mm-hmm. That's um, a everybody had to have face mask on. Uh, there was a queue six feet apart outside wow. at all times. We did a lot of, like, delivery during that time, which didn't really help our bottom line but we just did it just so customers could get their coffee um you know we supported the barista staff like you know a lot of uh paychecks just went straight to baristas like we didn't we didn't take any margin during that time for for certain points of time yeah um so it was it was not an easy time. I mean, you know, thirty percent of small businesses in New York closed we were just down. Just talking about our last podcast, one third of New York businesses yeah. essentially shut down. And might be more we than that by the end. It of might it. be more than they are predicting it to be more than that. And what me and Derek were discussing is just like, where do we go from here? There's all this open retail space. It's New York City, so that's still invaluable, really. But what ideas are going to replace it? Like, what's going to be the new medium i guess my predictions were like these short-term leases and pop-ups and Mm -hmm. like little like one-off businesses there's a great article that came out i I want to say it was from eater maybe and they they got together like the best chefs in america and they prophesized what 2021 Mm -hmm. food trends will look like right and a lot of it was like the whole to-go model is gonna is here to stay almost permanently um a lot of people are gonna be wanting high-end dining experiences where they're like closed off the private dining uh, private type dining thing. type yeah. experiences mm. um a lot of like to go business models right without yeah, even like yeah. like for example our our, cafe, down. our cafes we're not bringing seats back in even if indoor dining is allowed and we we didn't when it was really? we just decided let's just go with the to go no model yeah, wait when even when stuff opens you're not gonna have seats we, we may in the future people study and stuff in there right yeah like, people aren't gonna want to anymore it, people mm. won't want to number one and number two um, i disagree with that everyone's working at yeah, home I people can't wait for a place to study like for me it's like i can't wait for a place to go it just made more sense for us to use that space um to kind of offer equipment and really um really offer our customers a way to take salt water home with them yeah. so selling retail bags Dude, of he's coffee su- he's such a salt water <laughs> really they can take 
part of us home with them. Yeah. We make the coffee the with mantra. love. Yeah. We make the coffee with love and they can take some of that love home. Exactly. With them. I mean that's the that's the way first. I mean that's the way that small business has to pivot, right? Like yeah. and I brought you guys um you know no. this is another Pivot that we did. I brought you guys cans. No fucking way. Explain to us what you got for us. Yo, our first guest brings, not only does he pitch his novel, (laughs) he brings merch. Yo. Merch all merch. Dude, thank you. What do we have here? This is... Oh, so, so let me let me tell you what you have. So, that's so, crazy. I got the Ethiopian one after I made a reference to Ethiopia. Uh, <laughs> Colombia. Yeah. So we another pivot that we wow. made during this time uh, is that we started canning our own coffee. Uh, it's a new. It's not cold brew. It's better than cold brew. It's Dude. hot pour over coffee um, that is rapidly chilled in sixty seconds or less wow. to make a cold, smooth, refreshing. That's micro batches. Um, no, micro batch is just that it's it's higher quality and from okay. c- coming from the farm. You put micro in front of right anything, here. anything, it sounds great. <laughs> Cold coffee like you've never had before. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's useful? So it's not. <laughs> this one? Did you make this? Is this your I pen? Can't, I can't take this. This is your for pen. That I want the coffee that phrase. you make. If you didn't make this coffee, I will throw this away. I'm just kidding. Let's uh, let's give this a try. No, give yeah. A try. So right now, keeps, I mean, yeah. you're gonna keep you up. Uh, I was gonna save it for I'll tomorrow. Take a sip. I'll take a sip. So we have. Two... I was gonna save it for tomorrow because I, you know. Tomorrow... I'll do it for the pod just just to get the. Okay, I'll have some of yours. Yeah, I we can sample mine. I want to save. Yeah, yeah, we can sample. I need that sound effect, you know. Yeah, I need the sound effect. So we have two two different flavors. We have single origin Colombia coffee and single origin Ethiopia so this coffee. This is what I have. I have the Ethiopian one. This is nice. And we're we're in eleven grocery markets in New York City at this point. So yeah. we're. Um, it tastes like. Yeah, let's, uh, let's describe the palate. Let's do some sommeliers, <laughs> salt water. No, but it does have like a like a chilled taste, like mm. it's been frozen and then it melted kind of feel. It's almost like the iced tea of coffee. Yeah, a little iced tea kind of. Like it's not as potent as it. cold brew. What I don't like about cold brew is that it, like it's really harsh. It's really yeah. like, kind of like. So yeah. this cuts out some of the bitterness that comes with cold brew. Definitely, right? Yeah. Because cold brew it's is like steeped for, tw- for 12 yeah. to 24 hours. Mm. In many cases, 24 hours. So you're Damn. getting like a more bitter, or it's smooth, but you might get a little bit of the bitterness, you know? That is so uh, delicious. Very And good. you can taste the cocoa in there, kind of. I don't know what's in there, but I can taste some cocoa after effect. Is this, a, is yeah. this like a novel idea on, on uh, Saltwater's part, or is this like a common practice that in, in the industry? Uh, yes. You can now sell you this. <gasps> well, who's going to get to that? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is a new technique called wow. snap chilling. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, so we actually make hot coffee and then we rapidly cool it, but it's not diluted with ice. It's rapidly cooled in a coil. Mm. So you, you keep those hot, the aroma that comes in hot coffee, you know, like folders in your cup, like you wake up in the morning, you smell the hot coffee. It smells good. You don't smell that in cold brew because you're not activating a lot of those essential oils because you're not hitting it with heat. But what we do is we hit it with heat. We brew it like pour over coffee, high quality pour over coffee, and then we rapidly chill it. So you're getting the aroma of the hot coffee, mm-hmm. but you're not getting any of the bitterness and you're getting the smoothness of cold brew. Dude, yeah. I was literally just about to say this and it's written on the actual can, micro batch craft coffee. And I was just thinking of this whole new wave of like, this is like craft beer, but it's craft coffee. I love this. This is an thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks yeah. for bringing this. Uh, thank thanks you. for bringing this over for us. Yeah, and we're in, we're in uh, like eleven grocery markets around New York really? now. Uh, and you guys started off when you started Sweet uh, Saltwater. You were just a little local coffee shop. 
We still yeah. are, you know. We still have our local but roots. Now you have something that the Look at them, world still trying can to have the, the local charm. <laughs> we have. They can take charm. something. You're home. in twelve hey, grocery stores. East Village, born like born and bred in the East Village. <laughs> yeah, you know I've never you can't been lose to, your now. I gotta cred. go to Saltwater. I've oh, I've never been. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go. And if anyone oh, dude, you know you in the village man. in the area, uh, shout out your new location too. Where's yeah? We have second location in the West Village. It's on the corner of Waverly and Sixth Avenue. But this is what's kind of baffling me is you guys expanded during a pandemic. Like what? Like Yo, what so, is that? How so was that even possible? We we did. We opened up. This is the crazy part. We opened up end of January 2020. Pandemic didn't. We didn't know we were in a pandemic until oh, March. You opened the, the new NYU location in Jan. In Jan. Gotcha. Yeah. So you were blindsided. We were a little blindsided. Okay. It's it wasn't. It wasn't easy. Let's let's just say that. And this yeah. last uh, winter has been kind of slow, you know. And you're banking on that NYU kind of. Um, a lot of students of went students, home, right? You know, and they of... all went home. They were all virtual. Yeah. That's crazy. So you guys expanded right before. Yeah, yeah. And most companies that did that bottomed out. We, so what kind of ma- like separated you guys and prevented you guys from 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 bottoming out that way? We do. I have to say that like we have some of the best customers in the world, and yeah. um, we have a lot of regulars who Just live in the East Village who wow. local support. Man, they were working from home, wow. and they came down to support us Saltwater, and give we. You that. Dude, wow. we're hugely grateful to our to our uh, local community yeah. in the East Village yeah. for Dude, real. And I'm really, I, I'm still in this can. Um, and just been enjoying the coffee. How does it look? You got you like how it the looks can like looks? coffee. I mean, no, look. it's cool. It's a very sleek design. Um, simple, minimal. No, you're asking how the coffee looks, right? No, well, the, well, the but yeah, both. I mean, it looks like coffee. How's <laughs> <laughs> the coffee look? Yeah, the coffee. No, it, it, looks it looks dark, like watery substance. It's elegant. I like that you have a little bit of the color. Um, yeah, the color labels are different. Yeah, I like that. I like that it's elegant. I also like that it's kind of like this French style, kind of like you know, like a uh, French style coffee or, or mm. tea the design almost but uh where can, where can you I find these uh we're in west side market oh, um nice. we're talking nice. to citarella right now um yeah. we're in where else are we east village organic oh, we were just talking about this in the car you you're just cold running up and into these grocery stores and yeah. <laughs> with your can and asking them to put it on the shelf yeah man legit. Is that what you're doing yeah you're well, when, I worked, well, when i worked at the bar that's what they do with craft beer the craft beer works the same way they bring a bunch of people with craft beer they're like yo we got this beer we can give mm. you some but unfortunately we, we didn't sell craft beer so we didn't do but that. i would think like the curation process of like uh, a grocery store would be far more like they vet you so we're lot, dealing with know? a lot of uh sort of I don't want to say mom and pop locations, but like mm-hmm. single, you know, Westside Market has seven locations. That's our biggest yeah. uh, grocery market we're in currently. But other um, than that, you're doing more. We're local. really, we're really trying to do a grassroots expansion. Like yeah. we, we're a neighborhood coffee shop, own our home, right? Like we want everybody in the neighborhood to know who we are, and we'll expand out from there. Wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. dude, I'm in. I've never been to Saltwater Coffee, but I'm already a fan of salt. Like. Huge fan of you guys. This is I feel super blessed that you're even here. Dude, this is thank awesome. You so I'm super much. proud of you, man. Like you fucking accomplished. Yeah, a you really lot, stumbled dude. on this shit, man. I, I did you not really expect. First of all, I did not expect you to whip this out, and then you whip it out, and then it just kind of hits me. I'm like, yo, this is fucking sick. You're not only being a progressive like person with writing about climate change and writing about all this crazy ass shit. You're also being a progressive person in. The community vibe. You are a great neighbor of New York. Honestly, you are. You are an incredible you are neighbor. Officially can, a neighbor of New and York. I can, and I will episode. say this: I can definitely feel the coffee hitting me. I can feel it. <laughs> I can definitely feel it. Yeah. But uh, you got some spunk. I got some spunk. Uh, I got some. Pss, pss, pss. I got yeah, New York, the New York pep in my step. 
Do I get like some sort of plaque that says like true neighbor of New York? No, no, we're broke. Uh, That's it. Okay, we are broke. (laughs) But when we expand, well, one day Saltwater will sponsor this podcast. In twenty one (laughs) hundred. Well, that's what we're trying to broach the the next subject. (laughs) Wait, wait. Derek's like, I've never been there, but I love it. I need you guys to pay us. We talked about you guys for an hour. And, you know, um, Derek, you were talking about, like, you know, uh, being progressive on the, the community stand, uh, standpoint. Another thing that we're doing is we're going to have, you know, the rule of threes. We're going to have a third product. Um, same same idea, but another single origin. And it's going to be single origin Costa Rica. And that wow. farm, the reason we chose it is because it is on... Uh, sustainably irrigated land. Beautiful. And How that's going to get into this. That's honestly the major reason why we chose that farm. Wow. And all our farms do have some social causes that they're, you know, mm-hmm. uh, always um, kind of about. Like, an, uh, we work with a, a farm in East Africa and Kenya that supports a women's cooperative. Um, you know, we always are looking towards like those progressive sort of um, social responsibility well, it's campaigns. Impossible. It's impossible. Sorry, not impossible. It's important. It's very important. Yeah. And I, uh, well, what does that mean that that farm, if you want to get into it, what does that mean that they are sustainable? In what way? Uh, they just like the, the practices in which they irrigate the water that has, that uses, that um, feeds the coffee plants mm-hmm. is like their environmentally friendly processes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know that like specific, I haven't been to the farm, Yeah. but that's, you know, it's on the packaging. It's wow. on, we work with our roasters so that we know like all that well, educational information. Well, it's important for you guys to go there because then it paves the way for other people. Then to Dude, do that. the best thing in the yeah. world would be to like go to the farms. That, yeah. I would love to do that. Obviously. You know? Yeah. Well, there, uh, there's actually, ideally there's a, there is a company here in New York that does uh, sustainable farming and they work with farmers to, that are sustainable and there's actually representatives that have to go and talk to the farmers and then I was like that would be a fucking awesome job Dude, to I would go love to do that. and you would then sign these people up for the companies that's, that's sick cool. Well, something that I learned with this sustainability thing, like I have a whole course on uh, materials and how they come. So I had like a few days ago, I had a whole five hours. I was learning about mining and how and aluminium. Like I can tell you all about aluminium and how it's fucking formed, right? But one of the points in there was, uh, for example, our cell phones has so many materials in there, right? And we take that for granted. For example, the vibrating function. The, to, for your phone to vibrate, you need 20 different parts. Wow. 20 different materials for your phone to end up vibrating. Your color wow. on the phone. Your Yo, color what about of... like an actual vibrator? It probably needs a lot more. <laughs> well, I don't need like a hundred different well, parts. Well, the point is, then they, then they did a case study. <laughs> Flat just gave you the side eye. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah. Yo, bro, I, I got uh, to do a deep <laughs> dive on where vibrators come from. <laughs> three, Sustainable three vibrators. Dudes. Three dudes are going to talk about vibrators. Uh. But um, no. Uh, the case study then was about this phone company that was talking about where they get a specific metal that goes into the vibrating function. And they get it from somewhere in Africa. I think it's Ghana or somewhere. But they purposely chose the reason why it's so exciting and awesome is because it is progressive in the sense that it's in the uh, zone that's not, not the conflict zone, right? So there's like, I, don't, I forgot which country in Africa it is, but there's a conflict zone, and because they chose a mine that is outside of the conflict zone... Probably talking about Zaire, Central Africa. That's where no, there's also the, uh, Democratic Republic of there's Congo. A lot of, right? There's a lot of places yeah, in pretty... Africa with conflict zones. But my point is, is that because that company chose that mine, now they paved the way for other people, even though they are insignificant in that sense. Now that little specific mine is going to be booming. Other mm. mines are going to go down, so then in the grand domino effect of things, which is where sustainability comes from, you have to think of the future, right? You have to think of the domino. So because you guys are in the sustainable farms, this is now paving the way for other coffee roasters. Mm-hmm. To That's now the, the thing to get into. So that is, even though it may be something small as this, in the grand scheme of things, it's a huge It promotes step. awareness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
and and it 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 encourages like you just said it encourages competition to think that exactly. way yes and they have to respond now yes right? and so they they also will it just levels up the exactly. game for everybody exactly. right exactly exactly and speaking of sustainability i wanted to talk to you because I, I mean i've talked to foss about this and i don't really want to talk to foss today about this because it will just be an irritating conversation but plastics right you're writing a book on climate change and uh, coronavirus happens right and um, you work at a coffee shop and you're giving out a bunch of plastic. What is your view on this plastic wave that we're on? Um, yeah, I mean... Th- is it concerning to you? or It is concerning. Um, we try to do the best we can and we can always do more. And, you know, we're like... Do you guys have um, plastic straws? No, we got rid nice. of straws. So we try to do everything like that we can, right? So like when, when like plastic straws became a huge sort of uh, issue... Um, even before, really. Aren't they illegal now? Or? No, no, I don't think so. No, we offered we offered straw straws, like straws actually made out of straw. Oh, sick! Um, we offered paper straws. Um, we fo- are, we found yeah. that the straw straws are a little too expensive for like they're just That's not sustainable so from an economic yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Um, paper straws aren't bad. We we offered them, but they're just not good. Like yeah. quality wise, yeah. like they, they get soggy. Yeah. So it's Blue it, bottle has a paper It's straws. denting the, the c- consumer experience, which right. we don't like. So then my idea was to kind of move away from straws completely because I hate straws in, to begin with. I'm not a straw mm-hmm. guy. So I was like, you know what? Let's just do oh, those uh, lids with the, lids, lids, with yeah. the cap, strawless lids. Gotcha. So now we just do strawless lids. A lot, lids. A lot of spillage with and the we strawless keep, lids. A lot of spillage. And we keep, it's, um, it's, it's in development. Yeah, yeah, it's in development. <laughs> it's a process. Um, How about a baby bottle? <laughs> like a nipple that's a top. great idea <laughs> uh we try to re- you know we recycle responsibly obviously and we try to have recyclable materials like upcycled materials mm-hmm. um the one thing that we don't that we haven't um completely addressed i guess is p- the use of plastic for cold brew right mm. um we do give out plastic cups um but one thing that we've been encouraging more recently is people to bring their bring own bottles own. in yeah that became a, a slightly of an issue during COVID because yeah. of the cleanliness issue, yeah. but we'll still do it. We, we just let our customers know, like, please clean it before you come in and we're going to wipe the bottle do down offer and stuff like that. Discount if people we do offer like there. some sort of, I think there is some sort of discount involved okay. or there used to be yeah. nice. at least. Um, but hopefully that is some sort of trend that people, you know, buy a keep cup or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of flask or whatever right. and they bring in and they just keep recycling that same. Well, what do you think, you know, I mean, you've written the speculative fiction. Do you think that what's the future with this? Cause this is obviously a big issue with this plastic stuff right and there's everyone's trying to figure out like take away food everyone's trying to figure out their own way around this mm-hmm. everyone's trying to figure out an alternative what's the alternative yeah. to plastic what's the cost effective alternative the well, there are bullshit. alternatives but they're too costly right well, that's yeah. what's bullshit it's compostable so, plastic how's that bullshit you can go out of business if you fucking no, provide no, everyone what i'm saying is bullshit cup. is that to be sustainable and to it's be expensive a pre- it's expensive yeah. right the green premiums is something mm-hmm. that it's it's just ridiculous you have to mm-hmm. pay in order to which yeah. you know unfortunately Unfortunately, that's the case. But how do we work around that? But if the demand was higher, then that would drive the costs down. Probably. But what right? if the demand because, is high, but it's not it, on paper high? Like the demand should be high for yeah. sustainable shit, but yeah. it's not because you know people. Like I think to there's live. a ceiling to break. Like there's a threshold of amount of volume that needs to break. Break. We need to break that ceiling so that there is enough volume to drive these costs down. Because there's not enough competition of people making it like if i go to my supplier and i ask for compostable cups there is only one vendor that will do it and that person owns a monopoly over it right because then so everybody's gonna go to that one person they're gonna charge whatever the hell they want but once more people buy in 
there'll have to be different competitors because new people will enter that marketplace and be like, oh, I want to supply too because there's volume here. Right. It'll drive all the costs down. Gotcha. So it has a lot to do with education and awareness. Like yeah. this podcast is doing its part, right? right. But it's going to take time. That doesn't happen but overnight. But a lot of it, when it comes to climate change measures, a lot of it just comes into comes down to we already have these infrastructures in place. We already have gas vehicles. We have all these highways everywhere. There's probably thousands of plastic manufacturing companies and factories that do it, but maybe only one, as you said, that does something sustainable. Well, so it's like, yeah. how do we get rid of all these jobs? All these no, factories, factories, well, it's factories kind of, basically. Exactly. Yeah. That's, what, that's what they're doing with gas stations now. That's not an overnight now. process. That's they're converting. Slow process. There's some stat, I forget what year, I think it was like by 2050, there'll be 99% of the cars will be electric or something. Yeah, that's the road. emissions. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I don't know if it's 2050 or 2040, it's something tw- like that. 2035 actually is what by, is what the world is trying to do. Is the goal is that. No gasoline cars. That's the, right. Paris, so what that's the Paris Climate Accord, right? Zero emissions is by 2050, but they're trying to now, you have to lower that number that's no like right. that's what we're talking about this you yeah, know? yeah. but the, i mean what you guys are talking about yes like that's kind of what ishmael was saying right we cannot go back to how we were primitive times we can't go back to hunter gatherers where it was yeah. better for the environment we now have to work with what we have right but the question now for sustainability there's so many things involved with that how do you work with what you got but it's also on the policy level uh, like for example it's, it's complicated it's right? super complicated but and it's the more an, I eco- about it, it's the an more ecosystem it's, right it's everything's yeah. connected right. and like so now and everybody it affects everybody all of our indian uncles brown uncles they all used to own or still own sea stores and gas stations what are they going to do with their gas stations right so they're all starting to think mm-hmm. about it so i have uncles who are like we're converting our gas stations to charging ports for like wow. the cars now awesome. so that's what needs to happen right it's it's this the education needs to be there the awareness that this is what's happening yeah and then people start need to start planning like exactly. oh we need to convert this factory that used to make plastic mm-hmm. to yeah. some compostable material because that's the way of the future and we all need to buy into that yeah but i know that plastic specifically is such a crazy issue because people like plastic itself people don't know what to do with the plastic and i was thinking too like maybe you can get uh, special organisms that you you know genetically modify them to break down plastic faster therefore zero emissions but then that creates problems with that oh. organism going into nature because if mm-hmm. that organism then goes into nature then the whole de- detritus the whole decomposers thing that's all fucked up on the there, there's a there's a um living exhibit at moma i think i don't know if it's still there but on the ground floor when you go to moma I was there. I saw it. they yeah. have uh they you know there's natural materials made from like silkworms and other organisms and stuff like that and yeah. Yeah. That could well, be a that, way future, well, right? That that's, is a, that's that is one of the futures, and that's something that kind of uh, it's it's because of the money thing, right? But uh, bioarchitecture—that's one of the huge things that will probably be in the future—is how do you create uh, materials that are already natural and found in the earth and create that build houses with it or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting stuff, and we have yet to really kind of like even brush the surface of solutions and and For shit. Sure. It's interesting, interesting shit. All right, man. Uh, well, wait, wait. We should do the Pachadamas before we... Sure, Pots- yeah, Pachadamas. Okay, Pachadamas. Yes, you're our first guest to do this. So Pachadamas is something we created on New Year's where we are giving up... We're going to become Pachadamas and uh, predict some future. Something's going to happen. So you're writing a novel. You know, you've already kind of predicted Perfect guy the to do this. Yeah, Perfect. So what would be kind of like your top three things that you can like, you want to predict that's going to happen in the future, foreseeable future? 
we did honestly it's kind of a bummer that we've already been talking for almost two hours because i wanted to talk to you about like what's your opinion on the state of the world how do you do this? <laughs> i think we covered a lot we, we covered, covered a lot. lot don't worry about it yeah. but if uh, you're still with us like an hour and 53 minutes <laughs> yeah in, congratulations success. Yeah, congratulations successful yeah. podcast uh, but yeah give us some predictions some positive oh man i think we've been talking all about this stuff we right? have like we um, have covered a lot of my top three things. do you guys or have maybe a top some one. that you is it on me or you guys can talk about it can be no we've already done kind of ours okay if you want to do another one i guess my theme i want to bring a theme into it so it's not so broad based okay um so we could do like what's going to happen in new york what's going to happen post-covid to the city post-covid to the city yeah opening what is like open what is an open new york first comes first uh, i think and this is no this is obvious you know this is not a surprise this summer is going to be wild in new york right i think people are going to be out well, people are going to be out. We were out virus, this. We were out last summer. Let's take a time yeah, out. The weather. Take a time out because the virus. We got two more strains, and we got one in Brazil. We got one in South Africa. These two strains are already in Europe. Are already in Asia. These two strains are probably uh, they're not maybe deadlier, but one of the strains, specifically the I think it's a South African strain. They are worried that it is now immune to the vaccine. I heard this. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm feeling that 2021 is going to be just like 2020. Oh man. Okay, but my but, prediction was: what is an open after so everything's summer, done? The summer of coronavirus <laughs> over. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Okay. What is ha- what is happening once it's done? Yeah. Everyone has a vaccine. What does a new New York look like? Do we snap back to early 2020, or is this a new environment that we're in? No, it's a new normal for sure. Yeah. I mean, human. I, I will say humans are very adaptable. And we yeah. will come out of this stronger somehow, one way or another. Um, it'll take some time to get used to some of our old habits that we had. And I think people will still wear face masks in, in congested areas and things like that. Mm. Um, and it won't seem abnormal for people to do that. You know, I think we're, this is a new normal. But at the end of the day, we will get some semblance of normal, like, pre-covid life back you know yeah. we will be able to eat in restaurants eventually we will be able to go to a bar and sit at the bar i miss that sitting yeah. at the bar and, and talking to the bartender People watching you know hanging out with your friends going to a club yeah. um do i miss that yeah that's, eventually that's my i guess that's my posture Domus, is i think my prediction would be the large like events like the clubs the raves that might that culture might die of wanting to do that, wanting to be in a place where you're brushing oh, as shoulders. As soon as the raves are are allowed, to, I mean they are open anyways right now. But as, I will be there. I mean that's my Pachadamus. So, that's my pot. Like that's just my prediction. So it could be wrong, but like that my prediction is we're gonna lose the allure of let me be in a crowded place mm. with a hundred sweaty other individuals breathing on me. Even without a virus, I think people are now conditioned to stay away from that or yeah. you know keep their guard up when they're in a situation like that yeah. i'll be i it's, it's we all have ptsd from this right yeah, like we're sure. all gonna get ptsd we don't even realize it yet we don't even realize it's gonna manifest you know once this is and over. you know com- the coming viruses that are yet to come to us now that we've done this it's gonna be like the mutations are gonna be crazy like there's yeah. gonna be some powerful shit right. trying to get to us especially now i've told told this to foss we are becoming so cleansed so mm-hmm. clean mm-hmm. that now the common cold and all this stuff is going to be kind of like obsolete Right, so when we do get sick, watch out. Because- uh, but here, here's another uh, prediction. I'll say my second one is, um, kids 
are going to be more sensitive to their environment. So there's going to be more allergies. There's going to oh, be more okay. things like that. Like because it's like they feel more to the environment. Po- po- probably that too. But, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of, this is already becoming, had already become a inside thing. The whole they're inside. inside. They're yeah. born in a vacuum. Beautiful. They don't get, they don't immunity. get diseases. They, they don't get sick like we used to, right? right. Yeah. That, that used to build up your immune system, That's right? True. And now kids are being born in a vacuum and it will be even more because of all the health, preca- like cleanliness yeah. procedures that were taking place. So I think a lot of people will have a lot of allergies, um, a lot of like asthma, I stuff like that. I didn't even think of that. That's very well yeah, put. Yeah. That's a good posture. I, I think for the posture thing too is like this whole concept of working from home now. And like you even said, how do you take salt water with you? You don't even want people to go to the coffee shop, right? So I think that now technology is going to try to target the consumer base is going to be like, how to be working from home is going to become the new normal. So office buildings, it already is. Office buildings are going to become obsolete, which, you know, two things that's pretty awesome, actually, because it's going to change your um, perception of work. Because, you know, it used to be like, oh, there's a place that you work and there's a place that you sleep and you live. Now, if you blend the two, what is the neighborhoods going to become? If you are completely, this is your life, is your space. Mm -hmm. Also, with another thing with the office building stuff, what a waste of space that was. Let's tear that shit down or let's turn that into some beautiful fucking parks Mm -hmm. and trees and help the environment. So I think that that's where I kind of think we're headed. Also, in terms of a sustainable way, I think, you know, the more I learn about this, America is slacking on their sustainable Mm. shit. Big time. Europe's dominating that stuff. So, Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I have a hard take, and I think this one's a little controversial and political, okay. but I think um, it's in the novel, too. Uh, I think that, let's say in the next 20 to 30 years, um, we will have universal basic income. Beautiful. Some aspect of it. We're already getting $1,000, $600, 1400 yeah. Well, a lot of people don't like to talk about right. it or, or have one way, fall one way or the other right. on it. I really think this these COVID checks are basically the start of universal basic income. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Put, yeah. Nobody's yeah. saying you need to be paid $80,000 a year, but you will oh. get some government assistance yeah. from your government, right? For just being more, a citizen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's sure. complications within that. We don't have to talk about it here. But it's a whole other pod, but that's yeah. That's a whole other pod. Andrew Yang was onto something. Andrew yeah, for was, sure. For, for sure. sure. Um, definitely want to thank you for coming through, man. Swoop, this has been yeah. fucking awesome, I think, uh, I think if there's anything the listeners could take away from your story... It's been our best episode. That's I, what they can take away from this. But <laughs> they, if there's anything they can take away from your story, I think it's just always trust the process. Trust even the when process. you're, you know, like, at, you know, doubting yourself and you're making, like, a crazy career change you're the human spirit is a building block right yes. like don't ever think that what your earlier experiences are obsolete because you're doing something new like if i were to change my profession tomorrow you know to be a postman i would be using things i've learned in my current career in that career like you're always building on top of yourself yeah. yes and it's, it's going all the way full circle back to how we started this conversation oh, beautiful is, everyone wants to put you in the box you know, but you're always you be a hybrid human. You're, you're, you gotta have duality. You gotta be a hybrid human. Listen, we, we live, you know, I saw this beautiful meme. Actually, it's a beautiful meme. It's the fact that I'm even saying that sounds weird. But on Instagram, right? It was like, this guy was like, oh, YOLO, man. You know, you only live once. So whatever. And it's like, no, you live every second, every day. Right. You yeah. live all the time. Yeah. You only die once. Yep. You only die Ooh. once. Flipped Yodo. it on him. Yodo. Yodo. <laughs> Yo, that guy who said Yodo was a real Yoda. Yodo. Yodo. <laughs>
Baby Yoda. You got one yeah. last dad joke Everybody off. I'll let you get that last you, dad Here's joke. the last dad joke. Everybody right. wants to put you in a box. You know what you got to do? You got to think outside the box. <laughs> that was like a grandpa joke. <laughs> That's a grandfather joke. salt water coffee. What does it say on the last? Dada joke. Cold coffee like you've Yoda. never had before. Don't sleep on my Dada jokes. But thanks for coming through. You want to give me any other shout outs? Any, uh, anything else you're working on that you want the people to, to tune into? Um, what's, you know, whatever salt water is doing? Uh, no, that's it. You know, I, I recently got a, I took a break from the, the novel and I started writing a lot of short stories recently and I got mm-hmm. a uh, acceptance. Wow. Uh, I'll have a short story being published in about a month and a half. Oh, Dude! So look out for that. Congrats, yeah. bro. Where is it, it going to get published? Uh, it's going to be published in uh, the great people at X-Ray Lit. Okay. Uh, it's one of the best places for flash fiction online. Nice. Um, so check that out when it comes out. It's going to be like an that, ebook, or are you going to get... No, nah, it's a short story, so okay. it's just going to be online. It's It'll be gotcha. accessible to anybody. Wow. Um, so I'll but definitely you're, post you're it up. you're extending your... Med- you're, like we are talking about, you're going into new gray matter yeah, in your yeah, brain. Yeah. For sure. Now for that sure. you now that you're like nearing the end of this thing, you're going to have so many new ideas. And I actually wanted to talk about this, but you're not going to anymore. But writing a new novel is going to be way quicker than this one right i, I hope so man i hope so but i you know anyway Who thank cares? you thank you guys so much for having me on for sure, and bro. uh thank dude you. it was a, been pleasure, a great man. first guest this has been an awesome felt conversation. Like natural conversation you're yeah. officially a noni oh i'm a noni you don't well, get anything if there's <laughs> anyone that's a neighbor of new york i really think it is swoop, it is swoop absolutely peace bro peace <laughs>